Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Oh, do we have a busy day for you? We have a very busy day for you today. Dr. Joseph Latipo is going to be here. John Gentry talking about the right of remonstrance. We've got uh, Lori uh, Ann Keller checking in from Oregon on their crazy gun bill. And right now we have the one and only, the, the amazing person himself, legend in his own mind, Bill Fecky. On tight, Action Radio presents the Fecky Report. Good morning, Action Radio, and yes, the legend gets bigger every single day, Greg. Is that mind expanding, Bill? Sorry about that. I mean, it just came out. <laughs> so, so, so let's have some mind expansion. Tell me, tell me, um, what thoughts are crossing your cranium at this particular time? Well, at this point in time, uh, the Democrats have really just—it's it, it, a red scare, not a red wave. It's a red scare right now, is what the Democrats are uh, promoting because they know a red wave is coming. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I want to backtrack a little bit here to August in the primaries, uh, which was most most of the states had primaries in August. Mm-hmm. And New York Times has just come out and blasted the Democrats. And many Democrats are blasting the Democrat Party because the Democrat National Party put in over $40 million into far-right Republican candidates. And they did that, yes, and they did that thinking that a moderate. (laughs) And and which political pundit did they listen to? Which guru of genius? Which idiot, moron, stupid, fool, arrogant, believing their own propaganda Democrat proposed that stupid idea? You you know, like I said, it came from the National Party, but what I'll say is that it's not the first time that that has happened. I mean, many... Many states do that. Many local elections try to do that also. But oh. it has backfired tremendously because these <laughs> quote-unquote far-right candidates are mm-hmm. killing it in the polls. Mm-hmm. This week, from last week, every single Republican who's running has gained mm-hmm. in the polls, mm-hmm. even in the far-left states. So every single Republican has picked up at minimum one point to two points in the polls. Uh, so, you know, take that for what it's worth. And I know we've well, had no, many we know these are underreported. Yeah, we know these are underreported. So let's put five yeah. points on that, you know, because the, yeah. the polls are horrible. They're, they're designed to suppress Republicans and encourage Democrats, you know, for no reason. Um, but uh, so let's add even more to that and, and get a more realistic picture. So all you Republicans have to get out and vote, you know, and I'll criticize the Republican exactly. Party after the election like I always do. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, everyone is scared, even in the far left second district of Rhode Island, which has uh-huh. never voted in a Republican, they are actually getting scared because there's a Republican by the name of Fung 
Um, oh, I heard of him. I saw him interview. Up, yeah, he is up eight points right now. Yeah. I got a great campaign slogan. What the fung? Sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, across the board, though, well, we are seeing a few surprises still. Um, okay. And some things are starting to form the way that we thought that they would form all along. You know, uh, Walker, is, uh, Herschel Walker in Georgia uh, uh-huh. is now up in the polls, uh, which he's always been kind of down or tied, but now he's up. Uh, but it does that. look like that this, this may yeah, go to up. a runoff, though. Yeah. Um, you know, because you, you, you got the third party. You mean a cheat-off. It's going to be a cheat-off. It's a cheat-off. Yeah, it's, it's not a runoff. And, it's a cheat-off. Yeah. yeah. New word. But you do have a you have a third party candidate in there that's going to uh, you know stop this from probably making it a, uh, official right now. So December sixth, uh, expect a runoff in Georgia again. Um, uh-huh. Seems like that's oh, yeah. every single election cycle. Well, I've seen those before. We uh, know how those turn out. Depends yep, who, not who very well. The ballots. Yes, yes. Follow the mules. Well, you know, I I I, I just still remember um, MSNBC showing you know, a, a live broadcast and they repeated it over and over again because they're interviewing some person. But you can mm-hmm. see right at the bottom where I forgot who Warnick went up against last time. Um, but um, they showed the Republican candidate who was ahead by like 50,000 votes. All of a sudden they took 100,000 votes away from him. <laughs> they showed that on live TV and they repeated it, not realizing that they did it. <laughs> Do you have a video of that? I'll have to find it. Uh, I, I I meant to uh, say that video, and I, I just I can't remember who they're I mean, interviewing. Why isn't the GOP it? showing that every day in Georgia? I mean, that's insane. What's wrong with those geldings? Well, th- that's exactly why they're geldings. But you know, uh, when we're talking about those third-party candidates, okay. uh, Arizona just had a big earthquake yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. The lo- Libertarian candidate he has dropped out and endorsed. Um, uh, say masters. Look at Blake um, Masters for Senate, right? I think yes. he's senator. Yeah, okay. for Senate or, for Senate. or Attorney yeah, General. Senate. I get those two confused. All right. Anyway, no, so Senate. yeah. For okay. Senate. Good. That's um, good. So the Democrat Party, of course, is up in arms, claiming <laughs> that it's uh, that he what got paid off and blah blah mm. blah blah blah. But mm-hmm. but you know what though? It doesn't matter because his name is still on the ballot. You know, he could drop out all he wants, but the ballots have already been sent out. People have already voted for him. It, at this point, it doesn't re- influence maybe twenty to 50,000 votes at the very most, which, of mm. course, that could make a big difference in this election. But well, when you're talking about these elections, early voting yeah. ends Saturday, 70% of all votes will already be in on Saturday. Well, let me talk about early voting with you for a minute, because I've, I've changed my opinion on that. I used to think, uh, as a lot of Republicans do, that you should vote on Election Day, you know, counted work cast, which I still believe, paper ballots, which I still believe, no machines like our DS-200 or DM, yeah, I think it's a DS-200 machine that can transfer data uh, here. I don't like machines that can transfer anything, so I'm going to go vote early in person so the data doesn't get transferred anywhere. I'm going right to the elections office. Dick Morris had a really big point in this, uh, a couple, actually he's made it a couple of times on, on Newsmax, and he's somebody I really you know, trust for his political insights. He's saying the Democrats vote early and they get much more percentage of their vote out and they have all this time if, if the polls aren't going well, if the votes aren't going well, whatever they can do, they can actually rally the troops and people that haven't voted will actually go to them you know, and say, hey, you haven't early voted yet or you haven't voted yet, what's going on? Uh, knowing that most Democrats vote early. Republicans only vote on the day. 
And because they only on the day of elections, uh, they don't have a chance to do that. So he makes some really good points. And if anything comes up, emergencies, family stuff, you know, it's just who knows what, what can happen to you on election day that you might not make it to the polls. So I've changed my mind on that. I'm going to vote early. Um, today or tomorrow, um, and I'm going to do it because, and I'm going to do it right at the elections office, so the ballot doesn't go anywhere. There's no transportation, there's no handling, there's no third party, there's no mail-in, there's no absentee, there's no nothing. I'll be right there, and they can count it where they, where I've cast it at the elections office, and that to me is the most secure way to do it. And just in case something does happen to me on election day, like a huge crowd or something like that, I'm not going to have to deal with it because I voted early. What do you think? Oh, I've I've, I've voted early every single time because, like you said, you know things happen. You don't know okay. what's going to happen on election day. You know, uh, most of us have a you know pretty standard work schedule. So it's you know, and there's other things that get involved. There's kids, um, you know, soccer games, soccer practice, basketball, mm-hmm. football is happening right now. You know, okay. things just happen, and people don't get a chance on that day to to go vote. So yeah, so I mean, I, I'm all about early voting in person. It's the mail-in bo- voting for people no, who don't illegal. need to mail-in vote. That's the problem I have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, um, if you look, though, here in Escambia County, Florida, which we are as far west as you could possibly go, almost to the Alabama border, Mm -hmm. for those of you who are not in Florida. The far right county of Escambia is in the far left of Florida. You you should make that a bumper sticker. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, you know, the voting participation percentage has not changed in the last 20 years, Mm. you know, as far as can mail and vote or vote early it hasn't changed uh the hmm. percentages are pretty much the exact same whether uh everyone went to go vote on election day or they early voted whatever um yeah. i feel as a former candidate i feel mm-hmm. sorry for candidates with early voting it hmm. is the longest two weeks of your entire life uh you know you're micro you're managing people out at every single poll uh, mm-hmm. Then you have to go on election day and find, you know, which are there'll be 30, you know, possibly 15 to 20 polls in your district for a local race. And then when you talk about a congressional race, you're talking about hundreds of different polls, trying to get people out there, demand them, to, uh, wait, sign, you know, uh, you know, have a booth out there or whatever. Um, and it's just and you're running around to every single poll, trying to shake as many hands as possible. It, it is just. It, it, it's a mental drain, and at this point in every in every race, people are like, "I don't care if I win or lose, just let's just finish us today." And every mm. candidate will tell you that at this point, when early voting starts, they are just about done with the with their race. Because well, that's why I'm not asking candidates. I you know I don't I don't talk to candidates two weeks before an election because I know they're you know I'm going to get the the, the the frizzled frazzled you know you know shells yeah. that it used to be. So I don't care. Would you ever run for office again? Um, if I want to stay married, no. <laughs> okay. That, that's a good answer. No, that makes sense because I know how much time no, it takes. No, seriously. Um, I've never no, wanted wife, to run for I, I've office. I've been asked. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've been asked uh, to run for the local uh, water board, um, I, uh, but I have uh, the uh, representative. So no, that no water boarding for you? <laughs> no water boarding for me. Um, I, I, I do like him. Uh, Dale Perkins is a great uh, um, water board guy, so I, I won't mm-hmm. go up against him. Uh, but then last night I got asked to run school board, uh, which I just That's have. That's not a bad idea. Very, well, no, in, in theory it's a great idea, but, you know, when you run three businesses, mm. it's not a good idea to take up something that's going to take up all your time. Because uh, uh, an office like that is going to be nonstop calls from parents. 
okay. complaining about every little thing. The crossing guard didn't let my kid cross the street when he let everyone else. Uh, you know, I, I have to get to my kid quicker. You have to move these car lines faster. Uh, my teacher's you know, a communist. It, it's all this, <laughs> yeah, it, it's all this little petty stuff. And, well, of course, petty. now uh, here in Escambia County, you're talking about book banning, um, which is kind of interesting in itself. Uh-huh. Um, so there's book banning going on here in Escambia County. Uh, we'll so, yeah, so I have week. no interest. Or, yeah. or the week after next, yeah, next so week, election day. Yeah, a couple of weeks, yeah. In a couple of weeks, okay. we'll, we'll go back to some subjects here. But, yeah, yeah what we're looking at here, though, in the polls, it's um, Nevada. Um, looks like it's going to possibly swing Republican. Uh, Laxdahl has now gone into a virtual tie with Cortez in the Senate race. Um, Cortez well, is kind of leading the whole way. Um, he's Paul Laxalt, right? The Laxalt family is like uh, you know the Bush family yeah. in Connecticut, the Clinton family in Arkansas. So they're they're a dynasty. So that's that. Yeah. That to me is not an advantage, but he happens to be a decent guy. And, and because the Democrats are such communists, you know, it's not a big deal. But ordinarily, I'm not a big fan of of family dynasties in politics, just because they own too much, control too much, and generally make legislation that serves themselves you know, far more than, uh, than it does help the people. However, in this case, he seems to be okay so far. What do you think? Yeah, I, um, I, I kind of like him from what I'm reading. Um, mm-hmm. I have not listened to him yet. Um, dynasties, like you said, dynasties are kind of a 50-50 with me. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, there are people who do break away from, from their dynasty family. And so, yeah, you know, Robert Kennedy Jr. Jr. <laughs> Robert Kennedy exactly. Jr. who runs uh, Children's Health Defense. It, yeah. And we saw what yeah. happened with him because he broke away. But, um, but you know, in, in Ohio, well, he might be on the show one day. His, you know, well, I know a friend of his. Yeah, so we're working on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, uh, but uh, uh, Vance in Ohio has taken a huge four point lead uh, mm-hmm. in the recent polls. I mean, as, as soon as like a month ago, he was down four to six points. So uh, he is well, really surging. This shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. What are the Democrats running on? Higher energy prices, no energy, no baby food, you know, an open border, uh, a no wall, uh, a terrible military, a surrender in Afghanistan, no civil rights, no guns, no nothing. You know, higher taxes. I mean, they're running on everything that Americans hate. Why, why is this a surprise to anybody that Republicans are doing well? Because the Democrats, liberalism is a disease. And they have it oh, Michael fixed Savage. in their head. Yeah. yeah, they have it fixed in their head that this is the, you know, a couple years of suffering will give us long-term prosperity. And it doesn't work that way. And it doesn't have to work that way. Um, you know, you don't have to take two steps forward to take five steps, I mean, two steps backwards to take five steps forward. You don't have to do that. And in and, mm-hmm. and any kind of business, and that's the one thing I liked about President Trump was he brought the business aspect to government in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um is that you t- in business, you take two steps forward, one step back. No one likes to take a step backwards when you're in business, but sometimes well, you circumstance have to. Too. It, I mean, you've got the economy, yeah. labor costs, circumstance, COVID, you know, there's, there's things that happen Correct. to businesses. It's a very active process. Um, but it just seems to well, me we're that about the perception though. thing. Yeah, I, well, yeah, but, but it's fascinating. And what are they running on? Abortion and uh, we hate Trump. And I think they're convinced that they, they sort of they're believing their own propaganda that they think everybody hates Trump and they think everybody wants an abortion. Uh, and, it's just, and this is somehow some sacred, you know, right, right of, of Americans to kill other Americans. 
and why the Republicans haven't said, you know, called them the, you know, the party of death or the party of slavery or the, the abortion death. I have no idea. You know, if, if the gloves were off and the Republicans actually campaigned for real, there are so many things they could be doing that they're not. And it's well, just, you know, it's very frustrating. Well, a few candidates have come up and mentioned that the Democrat Party is the one who um, promoted slavery, and and a couple have even said the that party they're of still using. Yeah, the Confederacy but, was Democrat. It was a Democrat but, Party no, uh, organization. Yeah, no, we know that. But what I'm yeah. saying though is that they'll they'll come out and say it, but then mm-hmm. someone will come back and say, "Well, in the '60s, uh, the party switched," and then the Republicans <laughs> never come back and fight never come back and fight that that it's an ignorant statement. <laughs> But people yeah. believe that they did switch in the 60s, and no, it's, just, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> that's yeah. a big lie. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. The, the 2020 so, election was no. stolen. That's the truth. The, 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 the Republicans and Democrats did not switch in the South. The Democrats are still the Democrats. They're still the party of segregation. They're still the party of racism. They're still the party of all those things. And they're still the party of all the things that the Republicans refuse to say they are because they're geldings. Right. The gelding old party. It, it's just frustrating. Exactly. You know, you know it is I mean – you could, you could have a slogan, you know, Democrats, you know, killing Americans every day, you know, Americans killing Americans and calling it a right. You know, I mean, there's just so many things that they could be doing. I got a question for you. It's a little bit different. Um, you mentioned Red Scare earlier. Now, I have long believed, because I, I studied this, and Bill Clinton is the one who made the presidential maps during, during the elections. You know, the, it used to be the red and the blue would flip between Democrat and Republican every other election. Well, Bill Clinton, mm-hmm. you know, because he basically controlled the media at the time, said, why don't you just make the red states, you know, Republican all the time? And so this whole idea of Republicans being red came about. I'm like, no, 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 no. Red is communism. Red has always been communism. Look at the Russian flag, the Chinese flag. They're always the communists. So when you say a red scare, the red scare used to be communism. Now the red scare Correct. is Republican, America first, freedom-loving, individual rights, limited government constitution, and the republic. You know, and so these idiots, again, the geldings are idiots. They've let this switch in people's minds that Republicans are now red. You never hear me say red state. You never hear me say a red wave or a red tsunami. Or, you never hear that because the symbolism is wrong. And these geldings, again, do not believe, they do not understand the power of symbolism and how they're being co-opted that red is somehow a good thing now. Or, Republic, well, well, or red means correct. the Republican. And that's just a, that's a, that's a strategic huge error on their part. Well, well yeah, it, yeah, and Clinton did it smart because the Democrat Party used to be the color red, and Republicans used to be the color blue. Uh-huh. Um, and then Clinton was the one who got them to switch, and uh-huh. then everyone just went with it. But now you're starting to see it switch back. Um, okay, where? Uh, at least in Tell me where. Era, okay, okay, President Trump was uh-huh. blue. He, he was a navy blue. Um, and we're starting to see more and more Republicans using more of a very dark navy blue, not the, not the Democrat blue, but a very dark navy blue, Okay. Um, with red with with red in there and usually white letters or something. So yeah. you're starting to see you're starting to see it turn back again and I've seen a couple of Democrats with red black uh red uh, signs also. Huh. Good. So I, you know everything we goes should be in true circles. blue. True blue America. Yeah, I mean no, I mean everything Yeah, when when you don't study history, history mm-hmm. always repeats itself. And, it repeats itself uh, you know, anyway. Fashion, it's just that we're aware of it. Yeah. <laughs> Those are yeah. study history. Fashion, it comes back. Well, in anyway. fashion well, just fashion usually is every 20 to 30 years. You know, mm-hmm. stuff that we wore in the 80s is starting to make a comeback. I mean, I'm it's just, my bell you know, it's just No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Well, that already yeah. came back in fashion in the 90s, didn't it? Yeah, that came back in fashion in the 90s. So, well, But let's get back to it. Uh, the biggest <laughs> surprise, Greg, this is the yes, biggest surprise 
of this election cycle, <sighs> and if this plays out, the you're gonna you're gonna feel the United States shake, and that <sighs> is the state of Washington. Smiley, yes. our Republican, who was down as much as nine points last month, is now within one point of of birth. And now the big announcement. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. That is fabulous. I, I, it took me too long to find my button. I'm sorry. But um, no problem. That okay. So tell me about now. I just saw her interviewed on Fox, and and she's amazing. But you know why didn't we? You know Patty Murray. Why was it, wasn't she called you know Ms. Sourface for the last twenty years? I mean she has the the. It's not that she's you know well I wouldn't call her the most attractive person on the planet, but she looks you know she brings a, a kind of like an ugliness because she's never smiling. She looks miserable. She looks terrible, and she's only happy. As, as I've said before, Democrats are only happy when everybody else is miserable, and Democrats are yep. miserable when everybody else is happy. And so she is the perfect example of miserable Democrat. She looks miserable whenever anything about Trump comes up because Americans are happy. That would be that would have been and Smiley should have said, look, we're the happy party. She's the miserable party. I mean, that would have been a perfect uh, campaign for Ms. Smiley. But, uh, yeah, so tell me more. See, they don't talk to me. These people should talk to me. Uh, talk she, to me. she has been – she has really gained some momentum. And what, what really – what the big change was this past month mm-hmm. was all of a sudden some money started flowing in. and But uh, she started getting national recognition. Um, and that's really what happened was um, – I think she did an um, – interview on Newsmax when she was still nine points down, which at the time was really great for her because mm-hmm. being only nine points down in the state of Washington against a 25-year 20, incumbent was, was impressive for a Republican. Yeah, but still Ms. Sourface. So Don't you get tired of looking at her? Yeah, I would. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, so Newsmax put her on the air, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden her numbers got a little bit better. Fox mm-hmm. put her on the air. Everyone now wants to talk to her, and she's getting money from all across the country because they yeah. see the potential of what could happen here. And so now she's within striking distance. And even though Murray will probably squeak out the victory, this is – if there's a thing called a moral victory, this would definitely be a moral victory, state of Washington, uh, mm-hmm. for Republicans, and kind of a guide uh, for future elections. Uh, so we could start seeing Washington turn um, – in the next couple of years, if they keep the same game plan going. Um, now, in, in Pennsylvania, these polls are all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. The local polls have Fetterman up by two. Um, I've, I've been in Pennsylvania. I'm not buying it. Um, mm-hmm. But the New York Times, which is a far-left you know, newspaper, has oh. Dr. Oz up by three. Oh, that's interesting. Now, is yeah, there a better um, pollster? Is there because I remember some of the the pollsters. Uh, everybody, the, the one everybody quotes is terrible, and some of the other polls are terrible. But there's usually one pollster that's right on. And if, there was one several years ago, and I've forgotten the the name right now. But is there anybody out there who's going against this this trend and saying that the Republicans are are looking at a landslide in so many different uh, races? Anybody standing out right now that you know of? Well, real clear, real clear politics, which doesn't actually do polling. They mm-hmm. only report all the polls. Um, and this, and I, and I say this every week because I want to make sure everyone understands this. Uh, but going to real clear politics, they take an average of all the polls. Uh, but what they huh. also do is they look at the last three presidential elections, uh, what the polls were versus what uh, what the outcome was, and then they adjust every poll according to that differential. 
that average differential. Um, and I, as I've reported a couple of weeks ago, on mm-hmm. average, it was a Democrat favored in the polls 5.9% higher than what the actuality was. So a lot of the polls do get adjusted by that 5.9%. And that's what I report here is that adjustment. I don't, um, uh, but in, the, in this case, the Fetterman versus uh, Oz, I, I quoted very specific polls only because of, you know, looking at the New York Times um, saying that Oz is up by three, um, I thought that was very convincing to me that, that, that I think that poll is very accurate uh, considering who the New York Times is and who, who the followers of the New York Times are. Well, here's what's something interesting, so, too, is that the, the power um, places, the people that want to keep their White House correspondence, the people that want to you know, snuggle up to the party in power, at some point when they realize that there's going to be a change in Washington, uh, they start to, they do. They'll, they'll you know, cozy up to at least as much as they can, you know, being liberals, yep. uh, to the Republicans in this case. You know, it's like, why do corporations donate to both parties? Because whoever wins, they want to say that they donated to them. So they're, they're hedging their bets. You know, all the time. And so this it doesn't surprise me. New York Times is doing this. New York Times has no credibility. If they ever want to get access to, uh, you know, the Mitch McConnell and uh, McCarthy, uh, they're going to have to say something, you know, at least palatably nice. You know, otherwise no one's going to talk to them. Now, here's another question, too. My uh, my biggest fear is Kevin McCarthy uh, as Speaker of the House, because not one single reporter has asked a single gelding Republican, you know, who else are you considering? It's almost like, you know, he, he's going to be the next Paul Ryan. He's already said he won't investigate. He's certainly not going to impeach. He's already surrendered to the Democrats. We did a whole show on it. Why is there yeah, no, I, I, you know, what's so the point? I'm not, I'm not convinced on McCarthy. Uh, McConnell has a very good chance of being ousted. Um, and, and we're going to jump to that race right now in the last Okay. Shabaka, uh, who's our favorite candidate right now. Shabaka. Um, and Han is, is now yeah. okay. So now this is the rank system, but this number uh-huh. right here may uh-huh. actually trump this rank system. Shabaka uh-huh. is up eight points in Alaska right now. That Good. is up. Uh, he, yeah, she was only up three points last week, so she is surging. Also, uh, all these Trump candidates currently are surging. Uh-huh. Um, and <laughs> so, so that's why the Democrat Party and the New York Times is calling out the, nas- the National Democrat Party saying, you guys screwed up. You guys yeah. handed the, the Republican this red wave. <laughs> but um, here's the thing, too. Look at the price of gas. You know, and Obama said, I saw him quoted uh, uh, like a couple of weeks ago. He said, you could tell my poll ratings. They, 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 uh, they traced trace with or match with, or I forgot what the word was, track with, that's what he said. He, they track with the, the price of gasoline. So the higher the gasoline prices went, the lower his poll numbers went. And you look at the price of gasoline, it's going up again. So, so Brandon yep. goofed, you know, and Calif- don't we have, uh, aren't the, our sales tax reprieve, the 25 cent sales tax on Florida gasoline, isn't that over now because we're in November? So our prices- That is correct. So our prices went up 25 cents, which I thought was kind of weird uh, why he would do that so close to the election cycle, uh, unless he's assuming the same thing I am, where everyone early votes, everyone was happy with the gas and be done with. Uh, but the one thing that um, I wasn't going to talk about Florida because th- these races are theoretically over already. Um, okay. We, you know, because we all knew DeSantis was going to win. It's just about a matter of how much. Right now he's trending in double digits. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, and Charlie Chris is just not a good candidate for governor. Uh, but in our Senate race, though, <laughs> not a yeah. good candidate for uh, I, I, you know, 
school board. Well, in our Senate race, though, you know, Marco Rubio is not really a strong candidate, and he's not overly liked in Florida. But when you have Val Demings, the Democrat, former sheriff of Orlando, as the counter, uh, Mm -hmm. Val Demings is a black woman, um, and so that's what the Democrats thought would get them over the hump. Um, But when you have a former sheriff trying to, you know, screaming out to fund the police, um, you know, stop arresting people for marijuana uh, and drug use, um, you know, it it just didn't it didn't go over quite as well as they thought they would. And she just couldn't come back. She she just she's not a fighter. Uh, You know, she just couldn't uh, counter Marco Rubio really went on the attack with with all this. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you've also got two minorities. Just, you got two yeah, minorities, could, so so you well, can't use the yeah. the black woman thing. Uh, and I think people are getting over that anyway. The the white population in this country is is really getting rid of the guilt trip. So that's just not working anymore because white people are sick of of being the guilt trip imposed. Me being one of them. It is. It, it, it's something we're yeah. going to talk about more in a couple of weeks with uh, okay. the current. We're out of time, but with mm-hmm. the current Supreme Court ruling. Uh, for Harvard with affirmative action. Oh, um, I, I post is, the debate. I post the oral arguments, so I've been starting to listen to them. They are fascinating. You want to listen to the whole thing over time. But those oral arguments, you know, what, what Kagan and Sotomayor are asking is insane. These people are agenda-driven. Yep. They're, they're lobbyists. They're lobbyists. That's what they are. They're lobbyists for affirmative action. Uh, they are not Supreme Court justices, but they're, I don't think a liberal nope. is qualified to be on the court anyway because they don't respect the Constitution. But that's just me. Um, but they're they're really showing how bad they are and why they should never have been allowed to be on the court. Correct, and, and you know, so that I think that's gonna that's gonna send shockwaves throughout America when you're talking mm-hmm. about affirmative action and uh, hiring practices. Mm-hmm. It's gotta um, go. And, you know, Schools, it, 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 jobs, gotta, everything. Oh, it, it, scholarships. Yeah, it's go. very interesting. But there's some internal mm-hmm. numbers that I do want to discuss uh, dealing mm-hmm. with California when we get to that subject. Okay. Uh, California, believe it or not, was the first one to stop affirmative action in uh, universities. I remember the bill. It was an initiative petition, yeah. and we all signed it. And, and uh, Lobby for it talked about it. You know, I wrote editorials for newspapers about it. Yeah, I remember it well. I forgot yeah, what the proposition so, number was, but yeah, we got it. One, yeah, so, proper, 185, yeah. 187? I think it was 187. You so, yeah, so, uh, but you know, the, the numbers uh, really show – how favoritism was happening and how really the best candidates were being left out. Um, but we'll talk about that another time. I know my time is up. I got to go earn my dollar for today. Well, Wendy's not here yet, so you, but you can, uh, oh, you can okay. talk until Wendy gets well, here. Okay, I'll tell you so let's, let's go over yeah. some uh, governor races real quickly. Okay. Um, Lake, Lake is really just surging in the polls. Uh, no surprise. She's really got a big bump from this weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. She had a great press conference over the weekend that just has gone viral. Um, and this whole country, I mean, she could probably run for president right now. That's well, how she's running, well, she may. Run. She's running against the media, which is fascinating. She's not running against the Democrats. Democrats are really not. Katie Hobbs is a disaster. So she's really running against the media, and people hate the media. So that's, this, mm-hmm. I've never seen a candidacy that's actually done that. But what do you think? Does that make sense? She's running against the you Oh, know, it, said, it's brilliant. Yeah. It's yeah. absolutely brilliant. You know, she's up four in most of the polls. Uh, the Democrat Party ran poll. She's dead mm-hmm. even. So that should, that should tell you right there that the Democrats are in trouble there. Um, yeah. The local now Fox Wendy's station here. has her up 11. Okay. Yeah, Wendy's here so now. Wendy's I'll tell you what, just, if you have a okay. quick, uh, quick, 
quick poll or quick thing that you want to talk about real fast? Uh, Oregon. Just, just Let, let's just out. talk about Oregon real quickly. Oregon, okay. the Republican, is up two. Um, that is two points higher than last week. And remember, we talked about last week how Phil Knight, the owner of Nike, has endorsed Drazen in Oregon. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's a really huge that he she uh, Drazen got a bump from that. And then in New York, uh, Zeldin is only down four and a half points now. So over Hockle for governor in New York. So th- th- those are some races that I don't think the Republicans can get there. But mm-hmm. I think that this is a this is a kind of a scare for Democrats to kind of throw. They, you know, it'll be interesting to see if the Democrats are willing to throw out the far left. Uh, after this hmm. election, or if they're just going to double down. So yeah. it's going to be kind of interesting to see uh, the fallout from this. Well, next week, next week the is show. the day after. Next week is the day after the yep. election, so you'll have all kinds of things to talk about. It'll be fun. Oh, we're going to have we're going to have a lot of fun next week. <laughs> yes, yes, we will. Thank you. Appreciate your right, Talk to you then. The all right. See ya. Here we go. Do you really want the truth? Do you have questions you can't ask in church? Welcome to the Oh My God Report. Wendy Arthur is more concerned with truth than propaganda, putting more value in scripture than religion, and more about you and your relationship with God than your membership in any church. This is Christianity with a Kick. Good morning, Wendy. I was just uh, texting real fast. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to do – it's amazing the things that go on that people don't know about. Well, the theme is playing. It's like, uh-oh, got stuff to do. Okay, fine. Just got to answer that real fast. <laughs> Hi. How are you? I'm doing all right. How about you this morning? Sounds like well, I'm glad all you're doing all right. Oh, we've got a busy day today. Yeah, we've got Bill. We've got you. We've got uh, John Gentry uh, next hour. And so I've asked Wendy uh, to, to do a little interviewing herself. And so it just so happens Wendy's in Tennessee. And I figured this would be the perfect chance to uh, do a couple of things. One, introduce John to you uh, as, as one of soon-to-be Tennessee's prominent citizens. Uh, and two, so you'd meet him and, and talk about this, this governance race and this right of remonstrance, um, which I just heard about for the first time like three days ago. So uh, this is going to be fun. So, uh, you know, have, enjoy, enjoy yourself and feel free. You know, I'll, uh, I'll, be, I'll be listening too. So, you know, <laughs> don't feel you're out there on your own totally. <laughs> Uh, but it's, uh, you know, okay. people think this is easy to do. Uh, so all you folks that think you want to be a talk radio host, co- contact me. I'll let you try it. <laughs> you know, you have yeah. no idea until <laughs> until there's like silence and you run out of things to say and you go. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, those are the moments that yeah, make life special. Well, three seconds of silence on the radio is an eternity. So. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Oh, yeah. 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 But like with someone like, uh, you know, Brianna Cannon, who we have on on Tuesdays. You know, she's a high school kid, and she likes to take uh, that, you know, five, ten seconds to think. And I've really had to train myself to not talk over her. It's like, I know she's going she's gonna to say something really brilliant. I just have to wait for it. So, you know, I'm getting better at that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of brilliant, well, what's on your mind? Oh, well, that's, that's a nice way to start the day. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Um, you sound good. Well, uh well, I, I'm feeling better. I'm starting this new protocol to get, you know, the, the toxins of the black mold that was in our apartment out of my lungs and my body. So oh, it was black it's mold. a slow yeah, process, but it's working. Yeah, that's not every it kind. Of, that's not regular mold. That black mold is, is deadly. Uh, that can be horrible stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it is. And I, I would just encourage everybody, if you're having uh, respiratory problems of any kind, uh, run the lows and get you a, a little $10 mold testing kit. Do it and see what uh-huh. you got in the air that you're breathing in because it, it, it literally can save your life. 
You have to do that too. Um, I got to get my my mold kit, my 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 peachy dish or whatever it is, and see what's growing in my yeah. place. Okay. Exactly. Just, yeah. You know, little help, okay. help tip. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, what is on my mind um, this morning is is a couple things, but mm-hmm. um, there is. A, a wonderful scripture because you, know, you can just take one scripture and just ponder on it and and start digging into it and it mm-hmm. there's so much more in there than just what meets the eye um and so i wanted to kind of take a verse this morning um psalm 33 12 mm-hmm. this is blessed is the nation whose god is the lord the people he has chosen as his own inheritance so well, that's nice. Okay. So <clears throat> now what? <laughs> Thank you. Very nice. Okay. okay. Repeat it. Fine. Sit in church. Okay. We're done. Thank you. Bye. Thank, See you, next week. thank you. You know, yeah. so what does that really mean? Because if you, if you um, are a, a student of the word um, at all, then you will understand that idolatry is like one of the number one things that God just does not tolerate. He didn't tolerate it back then. He doesn't tolerate it now. It's just that because his his mercy um, and loving kindness has been extended, and he just gives every person the the inch chance to repent and say, "I will change my ways. You are the one true God." And people take that as like weakness, or he doesn't care, or he's really not on the job, or he's busy doing something else. He's not really noticing this, um, that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. it, they did it back then. They do it today. <laughs> People are just odd in that. Yeah, and, unless something is immediate, unless the consequence is immediate, they just they don't think it matters. Um, and that's and, and I notice that when I'm training my horses or dogs or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. the, the reward or the consequence has to be immediate, or else it just doesn't register. Well, people are the same way. So. Um, so people kind of tend to think that the, the inaction of God is inaction. He's not really looking. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, he said it, but dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and that's not, that's not, those dots can be very dangerous to you. So, you know. Yeah. Well, that goes against faith, though, because if you have faith, then you don't need an immediate, you know, reward. You don't need the, the Pavlov dogs, you know, food bowl. You don't, you know, because it's there. You have faith. So faith is like the bridge between, you know, um, reward and, and uh, you know, or whatever, you know, as, uh, I'm losing my words here this morning. But, they, but you know, in, uh, what do you say, punishment, reward, you know, so the consequence, you know, it doesn't have to be immediate or the reward doesn't have to be immediate if you got faith. Because that'll take you through whatever that's time there is. Excellent way to put that. I, okay. I love how you put that because that's exactly right. Okay. Um, if, if everything was immediate, consequence or, or reward and rewards are consequences too. There's good and bad consequences, but mm-hmm. if it was always immediate, there would be no need for faith. Yeah. So how you put that was really, really well, well done. Even, even though um, I totally, it's like, sometimes, you know, I, I guess, I guess so many thoughts in my head. There's, 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 there's not enough room for all of them. It gets kind of crazy, but yeah. So that is, but, <laughs> but that is, we you know, are finite down here. So. Yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, we have that's a, why we know. put our faith in, in an infinite God. So yeah, um, yeah. Cleanius was so, right, though. You know, a good man knows his limitations. You know, Dirty Harry, yes. you know, Volume Two. <laughs> yes. So you can quote scripture, yeah, and you can so, quote Clint Eastwood, and you know, it's, it's uh, okay. So it depends what applies. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> what I would like to to 
bring up about that is that mm-hmm. blessed is the nation, blessed, um, happy, right. to be envied is what that means, to be envied, um, and and so much more. Um, mm-hmm. That just that one word alone, I could do a study on, and and you'd kind of be blown away by that. But anyways, but blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and it's, it, that means you don't have any other God before you. Mm-hmm. That means you have put him in his supreme place where he belongs, and everything comes under um, him, you know, everything. So uh, how, how we walk, how we talk, how, how we uh, deal with people, how, how we look at things, it, it is our whole worldview um, revolves around what does God say is right and wrong. Mm-hmm. So idolatry is anything that, you, that has more of your attention than God. And that, so that can be what? Money. It could be um, family. It could be uh, business. It could be uh, your, uh, your ventures that, that you want to do, all these plans that you have. But, you know, you just, you just kind of want God to stay out on the fringe and say, well, just bless whatever I want to do. You know, I'm not going to ask you what you want because it might be different than what I want. <laughs> right. I, I'm so I'm yeah. just going to sit back here and ask you to bless what I, what I want you, you know, to do. Um, okay. That that's that, just, that makes that's God an assistant. Cool, <laughs> that makes God an employee. That, that, yeah. Well, it it makes him the vending machine in the sky. <laughs> you know, that's a great. I want to see. Can we do some artwork on that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you know, you know that Leonardo da Vinci with the two hands. We'll have one hand with a coin in it, and we'll have the other side as a vending machine. You know, God's not the <laughs> vending machine in the sky. Oh, you could do some great stuff with that. Wendy's an artist, you know, extraordinarily. I mean, this is this is where our, our, our new logo came from. You know, and for, you should have told me you're a graphic artist. I would have done this years ago. But anyway, <laughs> this is kind of funny. So speaking of hiding your light under a bushel, there, darling. If I can quote scripture to you, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I have my moments. Well, thank you. I, I would not consider myself a graphic artist simply because there are people who are real graphic artists who can do so much better than me. But, yeah, but they never yeah, talked to me. I, they I they didn't. They didn't do what you did. So you know, they're not, they're not here. They should be. You're that graphic okay. artist. You yeah. had your chance. We still have a website. Anyway, hey, if there's anybody who's a, who's a really good graphic artist that would like to help out Action Radio, please contact Greg. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Greg at writeyourlaws.com. That's where you find me. That's my public email. That's, that's right. <laughs> Anyway, so you're in Tennessee. Back to God. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. We Sorry. have an idol um, oh. of monstrous proportions. Oh, no. And it's called the Parthenon. Um, huh. And it is the only exact replica of the Parthenon in Greece in the world, um, and including the statue of Athena uh, with, with a huge snake by her leg. Um, mm, and all okay, what's that, what's that about? Is that what we think it is? Uh, yes. Um, and it was erected originally um, mm-hmm. in 1897 uh, okay. to celebrate Tennessee's 100th year of statehood. That and, and a couple other structures were made, and um, but they were all taken down um, the year after, except for the Parthenon. Where is it? Now, here in Nashville. Okay. Hmm. Never heard Nashville, of it. Tennessee. So, okay. Uh, so my question is, if you were celebrating the statehood of Tennessee, mm-hmm. what in the world would make you want to create something out of the Greek culture and a, a, a foreign country on American soil to celebrate your statehood in the South? To replace a republic and with a democracy. <laughs> 
to replace a republic with a democracy. That's the first thing that I thought of. Okay. Well, you don't erect a statue of Athena. And everybody thinks it's, oh, well, it's just Athena because she she was beautiful and her face launched a thousand ships and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, no, if you look at all this stuff, um, all this symbolism in the Parthenon, mm-hmm. it is all demonic stuff. You know, and and that most people don't know that. They just say, oh, okay, well, the, the, the Greek well, Parthenon wait a minute. is not cool. Because I've been to the Parthenon, the real one, you know, in Greece, in Athens. Now, granted, it had a lot of scaffolding on it. Uh-huh. They were repairing it. I got pictures of me standing here beside it, you know. So uh, it was fascinating. It was part of my <laughs> European binge tour. I don't remember seeing anything like that. I don't remember seeing a whole bunch. Now, there could be statues. But like I said, this is back, you know, in the early 80s when I was there. But I don't remember anything like that. I just remember the structure of the Parthenon. So is the Greek Parthenon different than this one? And have they brought different things into it for some reason? No. That would be interesting. No, this, no. Is, the, this is the exact exactly. replica of it. Okay. So, um, then I forgot my statues. Took, um, from, from 1897 mm-hmm. um, to 2002 was when they finally unveiled the finished Athena. Gilded oh. it in gold, you know, mm-hmm. painted the mm-hmm. whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. So why would all these years and money, untold money, go into this? Why does this represent Nashville? You know, I don't know. Tell um, me. And, <laughs> I'm curious. So, you just, is this a rhetorical? It does not represent. Yeah. And because of this, you know, in, mm-hmm. uh, Nashville is now called the uh, the Athena of the South. I, I mean, the the, the Athens. Well, there's the an Athens, uh, Georgia. Is there a connection? Now, Athens, Georgia happened to have a very patriotic rebellion. You know, the the, the war at Athens where they they took on the the, the feds. You know, for vote fraud, which yeah. is kind of interesting. There was a gun battle over that. But Athens was, and that's named after Athens, Greece, I assume, just as Moscow, Texas is named after, you know, La Rosa. But, um, yeah. well, so it's, is I there a connection? I haven't. Athens, Georgia, haven't to Nashville? I haven't done my research in that. But, okay. yeah, I have Next been week. to Athens, Georgia, and it's uh-huh. an odd, quaint little town. Um, uh-huh. So that might be a little connection that we could find there, but I don't know. But right now I'm focusing on the Parthenon in Nashville. Well, it's always next week. And, yeah, but I'm, uh, I'm curious. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, um, so when you have statues erected and mm-hmm. monuments erected, yeah, that God considers these idols because oh. they, they worshiped Athena. Oh, she was okay. a goddess. They, they worshiped Athena. Um, and when, you know, Paul came in and said, we're not doing idolatry. You know, right. that you, you are God's people. This is Israel. We, we serve the one true God. We're not having other gods before him. And that's what he, that's one of the Ten Commandments. You, you shall not have any other gods before me. Uh-huh. So, and because he knows it's not going to be good for you because you can pray to a piece of wood all day long. It ain't going to do nothing for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched Troy. I saw that, the, the, you know, the gods said you're going to win the war. Okay, great. And they all lost. Yeah, so it doesn't always work out that way. Yeah. Um, it's fascinating. Yeah. You know, it's one thing. I mean, I love the, the study of mythology and the whole idea of Mount Olympus and Zeus and Athena. It's kind of fun. I don't worship them. <laughs> You know, it's a neat story. If that's what folks want to, you know, there's a difference between belief and a study of mythology because they're kind of neat stories. And they make pretty cool films, too. Release the Kraken. Sorry. (laughs) 
Yeah, I, you, yeah. you'd rather deal with the Kraken than, than God and his wrath when he finally well, decides yeah, exactly. to take care yeah. of that thing. But do you, you remember um, Jason and the know, Argonauts, but, just out of, out of total sideline here? <laughs> do you remember that when, when we were kids, Jason and the Argonauts came out and they had, this, they had these like fighting skeletons and all this really cool stuff and these, these yes. big metal statues that would, you know, we thought that was the coolest thing. I, I, I'm sorry, I digress. That, but yeah. Go that ahead. was like the precursor to the Transformers. <laughs> exactly. Where's Child and Heston when you need him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, he, he's portraying Moses in a completely, you know, like half biblical, you know, Bible story uh, movie. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. So yeah, ben Hur. It's not even funny. Yeah. 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 Ben Hur was a great movie. It was a great movie. Back when they made, the, you could yeah. actually mention God, you know, in Hollywood in, in the same breath. You know, Spartacus, one of my favorite films, you know, all kinds of good stuff like that. Caesar's not God. Yeah. What, what do you mean? Caesar's not God? Yeah, he's just, you know, a dude that got appointed. Okay, fine. Anyway, back to, um, so why wouldn't music, and I don't know if there's like a God of music by chance, but I'm surprised um, that, um, you know, that they don't have statues of guitars or or, or something American country-ish. Why? The, the holiday of the Parthenon, it just, it just seems weird. To me, now that you mention it, I never it thought of it because I never heard of this place. But it's weird. Is there an alternative it celebration? What's the motto of Tennessee? What's what's the state motto? Oh, I don't remember what our well volunteers. You know, this we're called Volunteer State because you know no, that's this not is Tennessee. The first state that, yes, it is. It is. I thought it was a different state. Nope, the Volunteer State. That's oh, okay. why our, our, the football team is even the Tennessee Volunteers. You know. So. Okay, I was wrong. Um, All right. <laughs> anyway, because, you know, during the Civil War, I mean, just about everybody volunteered to go to war you know, to fight for the South. But um, here, here is – this is my question. So uh-huh. if you are going to have something that you are known for – and Nashville is Music City, USA, right? right. Why, why not have what you are known for have, you know, be in the forefront? Why are you bringing in – uh, false gods, and especially the snake, uh, you know, which is nothing but evil, uh, to you know, which but that's what it represents, mm-hmm. to, to be an lording over your city. So um, I, I'm, and I'm going to throw this out there because it says blessed is the nation. So that means also your city, your town, mm-hmm. um, you know, your state. Uh, will be blessed if your God is the Lord. So why not have something, tear down something that brings evil, that oh, that literally is, is a portal for evil things to come in because they they are legalists. You know, the, the demonic kingdom are, are legalists. And, okay, they have erected this, you know, this goddess here. That gives me legal right to come into the city and do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. So it's not cool. It, and 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 if people really did a study on Athena, this is really falls into the Jezebel spirit, which emasculates men um, and, you know, uh, rises up women power and all the kinds of nothing wrong with women being empowered. But in the wrong way, it is not good because it takes away the femininity of womanhood um, and mm. it really tries to make women be men. Um, and men be emasculated, and that's what all of this comes, and people just think, oh, it's just a statue of Athena. No. <laughs> Go back and dig a little deeper and see what it's really yeah. about. Yeah, that's fascinating, because you look at everything that's going on. I mean, I have an action radio man page for a reason. <laughs> you know, we talk about stuff like this all the time, uh, even in our, like with Dorothy Diana and our sex and sensuality report. You know, she's always talking about, from a woman's point of view, it's like, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> you're missing half the people here. You know, and when yeah. the subject of abortion comes up, no one ever says, well, what about the rights of the father? 
that never comes out. That's not even a consideration. So I'm exactly. on a, you know, a personal crusade as well as a bunch of other guys out there that, you know, don't forget us. And uh, this isn't going to, this isn't going to work. And the, it's interesting that the, the most listened to speakers in terms of men's rights are women. They don't even listen to guys when it comes to guys' rights. So there's a huge perception problem, which we'll talk about another time. But it, it is fascinating that, uh, that you mentioned this. And the snake especially, too. I'm thinking the, the medical symbol. Isn't that uh, – I forgot what it is, but it's like a snake. There's like two snakes facing each other, and that's the symbol for medicine or the AMA? Um, well, well, actually, that, that comes from the Bible. Um, okay. Because Tell when uh, out, out in the wilderness, when the people were being stupid for 40 years, when they could have made the trip in 11 days. Um, right. That is <laughs> stupid, yeah. Because they grumbling and complaining. Um, you know, there was snake season, you know, um, and just like we have here, and people were getting bitten and dying um, from the bites of the, the poisonous snakes. And so God told Moses, make a pole, you know, and, and wrap the snake around the top of the pole because that it represents what's, what's killing you. Oh. And you were to go and gaze on the pole realizing that, you know, God is going to heal you, you know, and not, not, he can even overcome the snake, the poison of the snake. Um, And so that's what that's all about. It was, it's a healing thing. And they, they took their symbol from that, from, from the snake on, on the pole. Because you got two snakes, sort of like in a DNA double helix. Then you got these wings. Do you know how the wings fit into the symbol? I'm looking at right now. I have no idea. Okay. Yeah, I'd have to go Next do research on, on why they chose what they chose to do. Yeah. Um, uh, huh. But anyway, so yeah, there's just so many things that are based out of the Bible that people don't even know about. You know, uh-huh. so I, I would just encourage everybody to really study the word because there's it's just fascinating. And don't do just you know the the cursory you know once over. I mean, get your Strong's Concordance. Go back to the Greek and the Hebrew and really look into this stuff and what uh-huh. God is really trying to say. Because you know how it's presented, and if you just read it to say, I'm just going to read a chapter today. Um, that's really a dangerous thing to do because if you have no spiritual understanding, you're not going to get any spiritual understanding just by doing this, you know, okay, well, this is my chapter for today. Or, you know, I'll open it up and wherever it falls open to, that's where I'm going to read today. Um, no, no, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to what is really being said um, because that's his job. It, it says the Holy Spirit, it, it's his job is to lead us into all truth. That's his job. So ask him so to that, help you. Do, yeah. And what's that ahead. Bible that, that helps you understand what's someone with the commentary or the, the explanations? Oh, yeah, you mean the the Greek and the Hebrew? That, that's not well, the Bible. It's, it's called a concordance. It's called concordance. That's what concordance. it is. Okay. Yep. And you can get a free concordance um, if you go to mm-hmm. Blue Letter Bible, uh, the Blue Letter Bible app. Uh, you can get it for your computer or on your phone. Um, and it's got um, devotions you can do. You can look up uh, uh, any word. Say, say you want to study the topic of uh, sin or forgiveness or grace mm-hmm. or you know, you know, salvation, whatever it is. Uh, uh, just type in that word, and all of the Bible verses that contain that word will come up. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, yeah. Yes, and the Strong's Concordance only works in in relation to the King James Version. Don't know mm-hmm. why, but, you know, that's 
that's where it is. So, um, and there's all different versions that you can choose from. But if you want to look up something in Strong's, just uh, click on the King James version and then look up a, a verse, and then you can hit, you know, the, the little button that takes you to the concordance, and and you can look up each where it breaks down each word in that verse in Greek and Hebrew. Yeah, you should you should make your own and, and call it uh, Oi. Lendy's uh, Jewish and uh, or no Greek and Hebrew Bible. <laughs> be kind of fun. You can make your own. <laughs> well, Sorry about can that. Can I find it at the grocery store? That Jewish accent. <laughs> what, say that again. Can I find it at the church and grocery store? <laughs> exactly. Should we play that once again? <laughs> I think we should, just for fun. Uh, okay. For those that know, and then I have a question afterwards. I want to talk about, uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, a blessed nation. I'm wondering if the United States is, was, uh, can be again, and what the, what the prophets are saying about it. But by special request, and let me go to the, the, the new normal church and grocery store, which is something that I made during the lockdowns of 2020. Uh, I, maybe I should play for Dr. Ledipo when he's here. <laughs> that would be hysterical. <laughs> um, we'll work on that. Right, let me just find, I'm, 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 I'm you know, scanning. Ah, here we go. Okay, be, here it is. Be right back. Hello, America. Looks like millions of you are in states where the governor dictator has said that food is essential, but God is not. Fortunately, we have a solution for you. We've combined your essential food shopping with a non-essential religious experience. Being in the same building and being completely intertwined, you can't do one without the other. Welcome to the New Normal Church and Grocery Store. Yes, the New Normal Church and Grocery Store is the first business of its kind to bring God conveniently into your food shopping aisle. Think of this as food for your body and food for your soul. No social distance or group size restrictions here. Upon entering the New Normal Church and Grocery Store, you will pick up your shopping cart. You can then choose from an optional mask with a Star of David, a cross, a crescent moon, a sun for you Shintos, a statue of Buddha, and for you agnostics, a question mark. Headsets are available to place sermons throughout your shopping experience. Some of the favorites include, I'm going to heaven and you're not, die infidel die, oi, what not to say during the bris, and that butterfly may be your grandfather. To orient you to the store, the kosher Jewish deli is by the western wall. A simple shalom gets you service, but be prepared to haggle. For you Muslims, out of courtesy, we put the halal butcher by the eastern wall. Sharia store policies require the wearing of both a burqa and a mask, just to be safe. Protestants will find the Wonder Bread, hot dogs, and steak in the central aisles, where all the best-dressed customers can also be found. When you notice the smell of incense, you are nearing the Buddhist section, which is all vegetarian. For Catholics, communion is available in the bakery department by the wafers near the red wine section. Agnostics should go directly to customer service because you folks have no idea what you want anyway. Be sure to offer your confessional to the checker on the way out if you so choose. Please don't forget to first pull down the blind on the plexiglass screen. And if you require ministering, you can talk to your bagger as they push your groceries to your car because all our baggers are cross-trained in theology. The new normal church and grocery store, your combination alternatives to the separation of church by the state. You know, it's amazing. Every single line in there is, is satire. Every single one. There's not a line yep. in there that doesn't have something to do with the religion. You know, you look at the, the four, uh, um, you know, the, 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 the sermons that are available online. You know, oi, why not to say it the bris? <laughs> that's Judaism. <laughs> you know, die infidel, die, that's Muslim. Uh, what was the other ones I have? Yes. Uh, that uh, that uh, butterfly might be your grandfather. That's Buddhism. <laughs> that's reincarnation. And yes. I forgot what the, yes. what the first one was. Um, uh, I'm going to heaven and you're not. <laughs> that's making a little bit of fun of yes. Christians. Uh, but uh, yes. it's, you know, but every, literally every line in that, 
is 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 making fun of or being satirical to something or somebody or some religion or some you know government policy or whatever. It's just and I listen to it and I go, where the hell did that come from? <laughs> you know, I think where, how do I put all that together in in, in one you know two minute uh, segment? And it's just uh, this is why this is why I know this show is God inspired, uh, just because there's so many things that are coming out here. The the guests, the people that are uh, that are coming onto the show. We have John Gentry next, and uh, you know we have Dr. Uh, Joseph Latipo. You know, in an hour, uh, it's just, uh, and I'm sitting here going, "Wow!" And it's like, "Thanks, God, appreciate the help." <laughs> you know, keep going. You're doing a great job. <laughs> you know, and and so I'm just, in some ways, I feel like, you know, I'm really along for the ride, and that a lot of this is already organized and you know, kind of uh, nicely planned out. And I'm thinking because at the right time, everything seems to happen at the right time. Uh, you know, it's the right time for new guests. It's yeah. the right time for publicity. It's the right time for the election. It's the right time for, you know, it was the right time for doing satires. The, you know, it's just whatever the right time is, it is. And, you know, still here. Uh, it's fascinating how this is working. Anyway, um, prophecy. Was the United States considered a blessed nation? Uh, I don't think we are right now just because we've allowed, or no, we haven't, but, you know, the government has picked the government and allowed a coup to take over and, and screw up all our freedom. But were we blessed? Can we be blessed again in, in terms of scripture? And what are the prophets and the current folks are saying uh, about the United States? Big question, I know. Yes. Israel and the United States are sister um, nations. Okay. And Israel was formed because God loves Israel. The United States was formed because we love God. Oh, that's And we wanted freedom to worship him. You know the way we we see fit, without the you know state or government telling you how you can worship and who you can worship and and you know all that kind of stuff. So, um, it's what happens in Israel um, can happen here, and we need to understand what what this whole thing is is really about because we turned our back on God when we allowed abortion in 1971. Mm-hmm. So. 50 years, and God wasn't against us, but he certainly wasn't for us during that time because mm-hmm. we were slaughtering babies. And, mm-hmm. you know, shedding of innocent blood is a major big deal to God. And so when we finally overturned Roe v. Wade as a nation on the federal level, states mm-hmm. still decide what they're going to do. Um, and they will literally decide their fate, <laughs> depending yeah. on how they go. Um because now God can remove um, the hand that was against us. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he, mm-hmm. he can now turn his face towards us again um, and bless us. And that's why everything that we know today is coming down. Um, a major, major shaking is coming. I know people think I'm nuts for saying this, but it's that the prophets well, have been saying this. Say for, yep. Yeah, say it here. But, we yep. don't need to yeah, it's just For three or four years. Yeah. You know, they they have been saying, get ready, get ready, get ready, and now it's at hand. Um, so be, what happens between now and the end of the year is going to be the start of the shaking, um, and like major, major shaking. It's like world systems, the Babylonian, the Babylonian economic system is, is going to be shaken to its core, um, and it will have to be replaced because God is saying, I'm tired of it. You know, th- there are certain people, mm-hmm. there are certain groups who have crossed the line. I'm, he's talking leadership. Leadership is held in much more strict judgment than anybody else. Um, and that's in the church and outside. Of the church. The if you're in leadership, yeah. 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 If, you are, if you are wielding power and you are not doing um, his will for the people, 
then you are fixing to get taken care of one way or the other, either to the good or to the bad. Um, so because this, this is the time when God has decided, now, do we know why he's decided that this is the time? No, we don't. That's, he's God, and he can decide whatever his timeline is. He created time. So, you know, yeah, I'm just glad it's, it's happening gonna... when I'm around and, and you know can do something about it. I have to hold you up simply because John Gentry's on the line right now. Uh, Pianki's on the line, yeah. too. And so I just have one more quick question for you. Uh, in terms of Roe v. Wade, and Pianki and I have talked about this a lot, um, the states never had to honor that. So not only was, was this an illegal decision of the Supreme Court, which cannot make rules, regulations, um, pass laws, or do anything of the kind. All they exactly. can do is issue opinions on the cases, all right? But it took every state for all those years. I think it was 1973, actually. But every state since 1973 has gone along with this abortion policy, and they never had to. So not only was this a problem of the Supreme Court, this is a problem of our collective government. The Congress didn't stop it. The presidents didn't stop it. The Supreme Court didn't stop themselves until they did eventually. Uh, and none of the states said, we're not going to do this. They have the power to put this on us. You know? And so that, is, that I see is, is, a, is a loss of God, a loss of faith, a loss of responsibility as citizens to our fellow citizens to stop this nonsense, to, to scream as much as we can, you can't do this. And yet it never happened. That's right. No, it did not. And actually, it was proposed in 1971. It was actually, you know, put through in 1973. Okay, good. Um, so I, I was young then. I'm just teasing you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, let me get my walker out now. But, you know, it's to bring on our guests. Yeah, let me bring on a guest. And, and John, I've got kind of a treat for you because Wendy's going to ask you a bunch of questions first. And so we'll, we'll get this going. But I want to let you listen to a little bit of what she was saying so we get an idea. So let me introduce John Gentry. Uh, he's somebody I, I did not know about three days ago. Uh, this this right of remonstrance, uh, I probably mispronounce it. You'll help me out. Uh, somebody put it on, on our Action Radio legal page in response to one of the, the posts that I made. And, and I, I put a post that said, well, why don't you come on the show sometime? So he texted me his number that night. <laughs> you know, it's like, whoa, that was fast. And so I'm really impressed. So let me, uh, uh, let me bring him on now. John Gentry, welcome to Action Radio. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, good. Well, let me get you uh, a round of applause here as soon as I find it. Uh, here we go. <laughs> and I'm going to uh, turn you over to Wendy here, or if you, uh, or, and Wendy, if you want to get a basic, you know, well, let me let you do it. I'm, I'm going to sit back here. This is going to be kind of fun. So, Wendy, meet John. John, meet Wendy, and uh, Wendy, have at it. Okay. Good morning, John, and I, I appreciate you coming on Action Radio. As this is really important uh, for everybody to know who you are. I, I live here in Tennessee, um, and I had not heard of you until just a few days ago. And so I would like to introduce you to, um, to our audience and, and to let, you, uh, let people know about who you are and what you stand for and what your plans are. Sure. Well, my name is John Gentry. I'm a candidate for governor here in the state of Tennessee. And my work is about taking down rampant corruption in our state legislature uh, and, and in our judiciary and restoring fundamental rights of the people, you know, like this right of remonstrance that he just mentioned, that right is actually the cornerstone of our constitutional system. And it has been so oppressed that it's been wiped from our collective knowledge. So that's, that's what my campaign is about, is, is teaching the people how to take control of government to be the ultimate check and balance of power, the people over government. And I mean that very literally, 
this right of remonstrance we do is too. the voice. <laughs> it's the voice we do of too, the just people let you in know. government. Yeah. yeah. And and right along, what I was listening in, you're talking about, you know, the, the federal government through the Supreme Court of the United States deciding, you know, whether abortion is legal or not. You know, this pairs up with my work also reasserting the state right of nullification. And that's where the state legislature uh, gets together and they say, you know, even though Congress passed this law and the president signed it, um, it is unjust. Uh, and it is they're acting outside the compact. And so as a, as a sovereign state, uh, we're going to exercise the state right of nullification uh, of that federal law or federal rule within our borders. So this is really, you know, what my work is about is, is taking down overreach of government, taking down corruption, and, and literally putting the voice of the people back in government. Just personally about myself, I was a, a Swartz Recon Marine for eight years. I used to jump out of airplanes, 25,000 feet, full combat equipment, lock out of fast attack nuclear submarines. After the service, uh, I went to college and, and completed my bachelor's degree in two and a half years, graduated cum laude, and was a first-time pass uh, CTA and, and practiced as a licensed CTA for more than 20 years. Let's give me a round well, of applause and again. I would... Wait a minute. This is yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go, yeah. And I would also like to point out um, to our audience that you are running as an independent. You are not running on the Republican or Democratic ticket. You are an independent, and you consider yourself a constitutionalist, correct? That's correct. And I, you know, I initially uh, announced in another race as a Republican candidate, and I was counseled that uh, the GOP would remove me from the party ticket because of my stand against corruption of both parties. And so I researched the matter, and I, and I came to the same conclusion. They're not going to allow me to run on the party ticket. The GOP controls who's in there. And we had, uh, in Tennessee, we had other candidates uh, running against Lee in the primary, and, and the GOP removed them from the party ticket. And, and so they can't run at all, statutory law. If the party removes you, disqualifies you, you can't switch to be an independent. You're just done. You're out of the race. One of those candidates appears to have been removed in violation of GOP rules. And in, 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 in our county races, uh, they removed three county commissioners from the party ticket running against Republican incumbents. And at the same time, uh, they had a, a formally registered Ohio Democrat running on the party ticket, and they didn't, they didn't challenge her credentials. The GOP wants yes men. They want, they want members that are going to go in there and agree to whatever the corrupt establishment wants, and I'm not that guy, and they're not going to let me on the ticket, so I'm campaigning as an independent. But it doesn't matter. I mean, my work is getting out, and, and regardless of what happens in this election, my campaign wins every day teaching the people uh, how to exercise constitutionally protected rights and, and how to take down government, uh, corruption in government, and exposing that corruption, which is, you know, when I say corruption, you know, 
I'm not sure people understand what I'm talking about, but we have uh, in our Tennessee Constitution, judges are prohibited from holding any other office of trust or profit. And in 1958, they created the Tennessee Code Commission. In 1971, the Tennessee Board of Judicial Conduct. And you have judges holding expressly constitutionally prohibited offices in addition to being judges. And that, that's actually that's an unlawful alteration of our form of government that was a grievance in the Declaration of Independence for all forms of government. It's a, it's a declared act of tyranny. And those prohibited offices are used to protect corruption in legislation, and they're used to protect corrupt state officials. And, and that unlawful alteration of our form of government is the root of everything that has gone wrong in government. And, and it has, we have lost, as a result of that, we lost the check of one branch over the other. And, and now what we have ended up with is a single branch of government. And that's why government has become so corrupt, so oppressive, so tyrannical. Well, I agree about that, and you could not be a, a better fit for Action Radio, <laughs> in, That's in my opinion. <laughs> um, yes, and, and I'm sure that we can talk with you off the air um, regarding writeyourlaws.com because it's all about empowering the people to, to write the bills um, by which they choose to be governed. Um, and I, I, I love that you are not about a party, that you are about what's right and wrong um, because that is what the bottom line is. So um, remonstrance, you were talking about that. Um, most people have never heard of it, including me, until uh, I just saw your, your clip um, on YouTube. So um, explain to our audience exactly what remonstrance is. Sure. So in the First Amendment of the United States Constitution, we have a right to petition for redress of grievances. And you ask anybody, what is that right? It's in the First Amendment, right up there with free speech and freedom of religion. And you ask anybody, what is that right? How do you exercise it? Nobody knows. That right has intentionally been oppressed. Knowledge of this right has been oppressed going back to just after the Civil War. And, and it has now been essentially wiped from our collective knowledge. This right is in every state constitution, although it's worded a little bit differently. And, and from state to state, uh, this right has, is strengthened far better than the federal constitution. Other states, it's a little more, a little more weak, especially in the newer states out west. But in the, in the Tennessee constitution, it, it says that citizens have a right to apply to those invested with the powers of government for redress of grievance or other proper purposes by address or remonstrance. So what that means, apply to those invested with the powers of government. Who's invested with the powers of government? The governor, the legislative houses, any local branch of government. So we have a right to apply to them, and we can apply for redress or we can apply for proper purpose. So a proper purpose would be, and this is part of my campaign, I guarantee term limits. And what I'm going to do is go out to all the people and I'm going to have them co-sign an application to the General Assembly uh, asserting other rights to reform government, to exercise sovereignty that are in our Tennessee Constitution. 
and, and our right to instruct our representatives in Section 23. And, and we're going to present those instructions to our General Assembly, asserting the sovereign will of the people, and that we're not asking you. We're asserting constitutionally protected rights here, and you're going to put in term limits immediately, or you're going to be in violation of your oath of office, and Governor Gentry is going to present articles of impeachment against you for violating your oath. So that's, that's what this, how this, so how this right works is, you know, you have a grievance. A grievance defines that discrimination or oppression of a constitutionally protected right. So you have a grievance. Maybe you have other aggrieved citizens. In that case, it's a public petition. And you go around, you get a bunch of signatures, you present that to your district representative. He has a duty to file it with the clerk of the House or if he's senator with the clerk of the Senate. And then that, that petition is presented on the floor of the legislative body. Then it gets referred to committee. They deliberate on it, and the committee makes a recommendation to the body, and they vote on it. And this is, this is, this is the cornerstone. It's how we have a voice in government. You know, Article One, Section 1 of the Tennessee Constitution, power is inherent in the people, and we have an unalienable, indecisible right to reform, alter, or abolish government. Well, how do, how do you reform government? Do you think the founders put in there something that, that, that we could all take up arms and go shoot government and, and reassess? That's not what they did. What they did is they set up this process of remonstrance, and that's how we reform government. The, the right to bear arms and, and free speech are just backups for this right. I'll, I'll, I am I'll give you very a, I'll impressed. Give, I'll give you a perfect. I'll give you a perfect example of that. I was a force recon marine for eight years. I know how to make war. So had I geared up and and remonstrated to the General Assembly uh, through the right to bear arms and pointed pointed an automatic rifle at them and said, "I want reform," I would have been labeled a crazy person by the media. And they could not justify my action by fixing anything I wanted fixed. But instead, I asserted a constitutionally protected right as a single citizen demanding reform of our judiciary. And within, within four months of my application, they uh, reconstituted the Tennessee Board of Judicial Conduct. It was more than a dozen corrupt judges were removed from office. And then they reconstituted that agency from eight judges, or from all judges, to eight judges, four attorneys, and six citizens. That is incredible that a single citizen remonstrated like that for the first time since the year 1850, and, and I caused more than a dozen judges to get removed from office. That is, that is a, there, I don't think even the FBI can claim having so many judges removed in one fell swoop. This is how we take no. down. This is actually, this is how you drain the swamp. It's through the right of remonstrance. Well, I am so glad that you have explained that because, uh, as I said before, I, I had not ever heard of that. And like you had mentioned, that it has basically been taken from the collective memory 
or knowledge bank of, of the citizenship. So, and I can see why, because it, it really removes a lot of our freedom and power uh, if we don't know what we have the power to do. So I really appreciate this, um, John, yeah. of you and, explaining and I, that. And, 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 and you saw, you watched the video of my, my remonstrance being announced on the House floor, did you not? You saw that, right? So I yes, prove to you, this, this is a constitutional right. So in the First Amendment, we have a right to petition for redress of grievances, and it's in, in the House Rules of Order for the United States House of Representatives. A member having a petition shall file it with the clerk. So this right is not just in our state legislatures. It's also in our, in our federal United States Congress as well. And my work is to, is to wake the people up. Everybody feels so helpless that they can have no say. And what I'm, what I'm doing is I'm leading the charge and I'm showing the people we do have a voice. Power is inherent in us. And now we know how to exercise that power. And we're going to take back our country from the corrupt and rule ourselves as was intended in our state and federal constitutions. Because that's, you know, that's what this is about, is we are being ruled by an oligarchy of entrenched, corrupt political elites. And, and what this exercise of this right about is about taking, taking ruling power back to ourselves as a people. I'll give you another example of what I'm talking about. In Black's Law Dictionary, the definition of republic in, in the 1970-something version, 5th edition Black's Law, uh, it says that a republic is that form of government where the administration of affairs is open to every citizen. Every citizen, uh, it, it is open to all of us to, to administer our government. That's what a republican form of government is. And Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution says the United States shall guarantee every state a republican form of government. And they've, they've changed that now. In the 10th edition, it says uh, where power is inherent in the people, and then they elect representatives who exercise that power for them. And so that, that change in the definition is actually to reflect what has happened, is where our yes. elected representatives exercise the power of the people. And that's, that's actually, it's a, you know, that, that's an unlawful alteration of our form of government. You know, a Republican form of government is, you know, the administration of affairs is open, is open to all citizens who are ruled by law. You know, I've, and, and this is important to understand. This, this term, rule of law, has been twisted. It actually, you know, it's what, they, what they purport this to mean today, uh, rule of law, is no man is above the law. That is not what it means. It means we are ruled by law. We're not ruled by men. And, and to help you understand that, when they, that, that language, the United States shall guarantee every state a Republican form of government, that was proposed by James Madison. And he originally wrote, ought to guarantee. And that was objected to by the governor of Virginia. So they came back and said, shall guarantee. And it was uh, Edmund Randolph, lawyer out of Pennsylvania, and he said, no state ought to be able to transform itself into a monarchy. 
So that's what, that's what Article 4, Section 4 means, is that, that the state governments cannot transform themselves into a monarchy. We're not going to have any king of the state of Tennessee, like Bill Lee was acting during the pandemic. We're not going to have kings like that. So, Amen. <laughs> and so, so when they said you know, that, that a state can't transform itself into a monarchy, it also cannot transform itself into an oligarchy. And it can't transform itself into a, 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 a democracy. You know, monarchy is rule of one, oligarchy is rule of a few, and democracy is rule of the many. But the many cannot make law that's in violation of the Constitution. We are ruled by law, and that's what my work is about. And the people have the power to make the law themselves, like I was talking about, how we're going to put in place term limits. We're going to make the law ourselves. We have that right to exercise sovereignty in Article 1, Section 31. Could you tell our audience uh, where they could find that um, video of you uh, presenting uh, remonstrance and, and, and how you got things changed? So I, I would like everybody to be able to go see that. Sure. If you go, if you go to my website, wethepeoplev50.com, the we the people, one word, V is in Victor, the number five, the number zero, and that, that URL, what that means is, is the people versus the 50 states. That's what that means. Uh, but we the people, the 50.com, on there is a link on the home page, is a link to my YouTube channel. And you click on, on that, and there's a video called Remonstrance Announcement. Or you can just go, if you go to YouTube, and just search Remonstrance Announcement, uh, my video will probably show up. And it shows, it's on the Tennessee House floor, that petition. You could also, if you know how to navigate, you can go to the Tennessee General Assembly website. That video is part of the video journal for the Tennessee House of Representatives, and that's forever on the General Assembly website. But you'll see okay. my petition. You'll, you'll see my petition announced on the floor where it, it said, uh, Mr. Mr. Speaker, I am approaching the Chief Clerk on behalf of Mr. John Gentry involving a petition uh, of grievances. One, unconstitutional void statutes. Two, failure to address grievances. Three, judicial reform. Four, reinstitution of constitutionally guaranteed rights. Signed, Bud Holsey. That's what's in the video. Okay. And, you know, um, and I... just, a, just as an aside, just really quick, when they announced that video, there's 90, 98, 99 members in there. After they announced my remonstrance, you could hear a pin drop. The members were, they were stunned silent literally for almost 10 seconds. The room was silent. And they were all like, what, what was that? What just happened? And I'll tell you what that was. That was the voice and power waking up, voice and power of the people waking up for the first time since 1850. And, and it literally shook the foundations of corruption, not just here in Tennessee, but nationwide. I mean, they are literally nationwide rewriting legislative rule books to fend off and further oppress this right. They're afraid of it. And when we stand up as a people, there, there, was, a, there, was, a chief, there was a chief justice 
from, from Michigan Supreme Court, 1883. He said, for this right to be oppressed, the people would have to have become so servile and so debased privileges of free men. And he, and he said later on that, that uh, any oppression of this right should be felt as a degradation by all free men. You know, we all, if we're going to restore this right, I've been fighting years in the Tennessee court system and in the Tennessee legislative houses to restore this right to its full magnitude. It's why, it's why I began my campaign as, for governor. It's used this as a platform to teach the people about this right because they're oppressing it. And the only way we're going to restore this right is people got to get off their can and start calling their senator and, and their representatives and saying, hey, you cannot oppress this right. What are you thinking? And when the people start expressing outrage like that, then these guys are going to start acting within the confines of our state and federal constitutions again. If they, if they continue in this coma of apathy and distraction and ignorance, government's just going to keep on keeping on. They're going to keep doing more legislation more that is corrupt they're going to keep violating the constitution with judges and prohibited offices unless the people stand up and that's what i'm about is is uniting the people in common purpose that we can all get behind well welcome to action radio <laughs> we are behind this entire idea 100 percent. and so i we would invite you to go to writeyourlaws.com and actually write your laws that you want the people to vote on um, and, and to take there and so they can get behind you on this. Um, I want to thank you, Mr. Gentry um, and John, for, for coming in and explaining what you're doing, what you're about. I'm going to turn you over to Greg uh, now, and uh, just God bless you and all that you're doing, and I, for one, back you 100%. Thank you. Yeah, I did Wow. Too. I'm having fun listening. This has been really cool. So, Wendy, you're doing a fabulous job, and, and feel free. We're going to have uh, many more guests. And uh, Action Radio, we're kind of like one big happy family here. And so, uh, you know, yeah, anybody that wants to try something, or, uh, Pianca, I will get to you, trust me. Um, but anybody that wants to, to try things and do things like, uh, you know, have a guest hour, be an interviewer, you know, things like that, we have people that write bills, and all of a sudden they're now our constitution reporter, and we're talking about an 18-year-old college student. Um, so things happen here like that. So I want to introduce Pianki, one of our, our regular callers here, to uh, John Jen. And Pianchi, uh, your turn. Yeah, John, this reminds me of 1946 after Tennessee. You know, it's funny how we can relive history. And on here, we've always said that the federal government is out of hand. The people, the states have the ability to reel them back in. Uh, people just seemingly don't know about it, won't do about do it. And your legislatures are sitting on their duff because the people let them sit on they're done. So I appreciate what you're saying, and uh, come back often. We spread the word. That's what you know. I think what the what the, what the problem. I mean, very obviously, you know, the people are they, you know they're in this coma of apathy. Well, if it isn't hurting me, you know, why should I worry? And and they're they're in this this coma of of distraction. You know, bread and circus right? Watching games, watching movies, playing games. And, and, and they have become so ignorant, you know, that, that they don't even know about this cornerstone right being so oppressed that it's been wiped from our collective knowledge. 
So these are, you know, these are the challenges. But I, you know, I don't know. That's not everybody. I mean, there are a lot of people who are hungry for just tell me what I can do and I'll do it. And they're looking for the leadership and the man that has lead them to, to start fixing this broken government. And that's what I'm about is to, is to teach the people how to do this so that they are no longer feeling helpless. I think there's more people that want to do something, but they, but they don't know how to do anything than the, than the other bunch that's in this coma of apathy, distraction, and ignorance. So I have faith in the American people. You know, my, my fifth great-grandfather was a Tennessee pioneer. And, and his blood runs in my, vein, my veins. Those guys were tough when they came here to Tennessee. And I believe that there are other Tennesseans that the blood of the founders still runs through their veins. And I'm going to bring them together, and we're going to get Tennessee fixed. And when we set the example here in Tennessee about how to take back our government, the people of the other states are going to say, look what the volunteer state just did. And they're going to do it in their state. And when we have several states where our state governments have been restored to Republican form and character, then we're going to go after the United States Congress, and we're going to change the future of this republic back to what the founders intended. I know this in my heart. Right on. Yeah, okay. And like I say, I'm I'm, I'm having fun sitting back here. I've got... uh, so you guys are doing such a such a great job this, here. That, this uh, is going to be going. the battle. Yeah. This yeah. is going to be the war in Etowah County all over again. And you know when you talk about petition, petitions is a peaceful way of showing your displeasure with the government. That's the first way. The first way that all Americans have, and they need to utilize it. Because ultimately, if you don't if you don't see some progress. And then when they come for you, then you just have to draw the line in the sand. States rule. You know, this is, this is a really good point that you make. You know, what, what we see today as a form of protest is street protests out there with signs, some of them even getting violent, some of these protests turning bad. That is not what the founders meant by the right of assembly. What they meant is, is what we're doing right here on the radio, but getting together in the town square, talking about the problem, meeting in the church house or the community center, talking about the problems, putting together a petition, and presenting it to your legislators, your representatives who are supposed to be representing you. This, this stuff, street protests, government has no duty to respond to a street protest, none whatsoever. And, and that street protest is just, you know, where it is, you know, the election fraud or police brutality, but it doesn't seek redress. You know, it, you have to give them specific redress that you want to fix the problems. So we've got to get back to this peaceful process. Now, another, another important point about that you made is, is that this is a peaceful process, and that's very astute of you that you recognize that going back, this right goes back to the 12th century, century Magna Carta. And I have, a, I have a book, it's called The Constitutional History of Medieval England. And, and study of that book 
the, the right of petition, it took the place of prolonged discontent. And, 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 the, and the presentation of a long list of grievances at the point of a sword, this right of petition took the place of violence and it took the place of prolonged discontent. You handled matters as they came up, rather until we've got a, a, an entire society about to explode at the seams, which is where we are today. And I'm trying to stop it, stop that madness, and, and start getting the people heard so that we can protest stupid stuff like vax and mask mandates. And we can start exercising state rights to nullify that garbage coming out of Washington. You know, this is how we do this lawfully and peacefully. I mean, I was a force recon Marine for eight years. If you want to fight, I'm game. But I know what the cost of war is. And I want to avoid that. And I want us to resolve these matters peacefully and lawfully like gentlemen. You know, another thing, too. The state, those Congress people and that U.S. Senate, the states can call those people back to the carpet. The people can call them back to the carpet and tell them, this is not why we elected you. We elected you to go get certain things done. Now you're running completely buck wild. Now we want to put you back in your place or we're going to get rid of you. But the people don't use that power. Those Congress people represent the state. They have marching orders. When they go and run buck wild like we were watching them doing, people need to call them back to the carpet and give them the ride act. But it's not like well, that. You know it don't make any sense. One day you nothing, the next day we vote for you. From then on, you just on your own. It's crazy. That's that's exactly what this this right of remonstrance is for. Is to is that in the Black Law Dictionary. Dictionary definition of remonstrance is a formal written protest against government policy or government officials. You know this whole thing about like like the recall provision in California. You you can you can follow this a similar process by just going around and getting signatures and saying, you know, stop what you're doing or resign from office, and and start expressing the will of the people. You know, this, it, in Tennessee, what state are you from? What state are you in? I'm from, I'm from Missouri, located in Louisiana right now. I don't know the Missouri or, or Louisiana. I know several states, and I've read all 50 of them. Uh, I, but uh, I'd have to go look. And I encourage you to go look up in, in your state constitution. And start doing this, you know, where you have grievances, where you're sick of these guys, start exercising these, this right. And when we got people, I mean, there are, there are people that have found my work, and they're doing this in Massachusetts, in Florida, in Texas, a couple other places. And this is what I want people, you know, if you've got a major issue, go look at your state constitution and go to your state legislature and tell them what you want them to do and go around and get signatures. Now, the other part of uh, uh, and why I'm running for office, I couldn't reach enough people as John Gentry, but as candidate for governor, John Gentry, I reach a lot of people now. 
They're like, oh, who's this guy? He's running for governor. Let me at least check him out. And that's how I spread word here in Tennessee of what we're doing. And, and since I have done two uh, petitions in the, in the Tennessee General Assembly, they had a, a large group of citizens uh, protested mask mandates and, and remonstrated to the General Assembly. And there was another, another gentleman that protested a corrupt judge and, and, and corrupt court proceedings, and he protested that to the General Assembly. So slowly but surely, you know, we're, we're going to restore this right. But in its full magnitude, I mean, can you imagine a citizen addressing the body of the House or the body of the Senate, just a citizen going up there and saying, you know, this, guy's, this guy, what he's doing is wrong. I want you, I want you to stop him. You know, I want it at least give him a letter of reprimand, something, you know, that's going to run these, rein these guys back in from, as you say, running buck wild. Absolutely. And if you don't do that, uh, John, I asked the question, why do you vote local and statewide if you're going to let the federal government, those federal representatives just have it all? It doesn't make sense. You have the power, as you said, you have the power to control them. They don't. The, the federal government has no enforcement powers. What are they going to do? Tell you, Tennessee, we won't give you any money. Well, hell, you get your money from states like Tennessee. And Tennessee is a country. It is a country slash state. Well, that's, that's interesting that you, that you bring that up because that's actually one of the, one of the mechanisms that I'm looking at you know, how the federal government controls the state government is like you said. They said if, if you don't, you know, follow what we're suggesting you do, uh, then we're, you're not going to get this money. I mean, even Trump did it, right? It, it, it's, you know, sanctuary states, you know, well, we're just going to withhold federal money from you. That's extortion. And they're extorting us with our own money. You know, if you don't do what we tell you, you're not going to get our money. So they're, they're taking it out of our paychecks, from Tennessee paychecks, and then they're giving it back to us saying, good boys for doing what you told, right? So it's going to take some work. And, I, you know, I was a CPA for 20 years. I'm pretty good with numbers. It's going to take some, some, some buy-in. But, you know, so to stop that kind of extortion of the people is just, okay, fine. Withhold money from us and you want to you wanna coerce us under duress effectively to do what you're telling us to do with our money, we're just going to keep our money. And so we set, you know, state law that uh, corporations are no longer going to remit federal income tax to the federal government. Instead, you're going to remit half of it and, and, and put half of it back into the, te- into the employee's paycheck and, and give the other half of Tennessee to offset that money they're trying to extort us with. I think it can be done. And I think that as we set the example here in Tennessee, I believe the other governors of the other states will use that as well as a as a way to, to was, fight back that, that we're not we're not gonna just take this anymore. You know, the most recent time I've seen it was the fifty five mile an hour speed limit. Some states said to hell with you. Federal government threatened to hold their a whole money to the states and they say you can't hold from us what we don't give you. And another example, this thing about federal land, lease right, 
those lands belong to the states. I don't know of anything in the Constitution that gives the federal government the right to own land other than F-O-R-T, like, like the uh, TV series, F-Truth. And there's a couple more. But for Joe Biden to say the other day that we gave out 9,000 leases, that's a bunch of malarkey. You did that because the states roll over and let you do it, which they should not be done. That is state land. When those illegals come across the national borders, then they are in the state. States have a right to turn them around. There are, there, I mean, you can just run on all day long the, the overreach of the federal government. I mean, there is, you just laid out about five examples. It's all over the place. Uh, the, the remedy for that is the state right of nullification. You know, to stop that federal overreach, that that right was exercised by by South Carolina uh, against the tariff, and uh, then there were several other states regarding northern states regarding slavery uh, that nullified uh, federal law, but they didn't use the word nullification. Uh, when I started talking about nullification being the remedy uh, for mask and vaccine mandates. The Speaker, corrupt Speaker of the House, Cameron Sexton, he's our present present Speaker of the House, uh, he presented a bill that if the Attorney General determines that federal rule or law is unconstitutional, then the Governor uh, can assert the, the right of nullification within our borders. So this, you know, you got the Speaker of the House uh, presenting legislation that gives the, the, the governor power of nullification. So I'm not just making this up. I mean, in, in the Kentucky resolutions and the, and the Virginia resolutions, Madison and Jefferson said that uh, when a gover- when, when, whenever the government is acting outside the compact, the remedy is the right of nullification, that without this right, the states would be under the dominion, absolute and unlimited, of any who would exercise that power for them. And that's where we are today. We are under the absolute, unlimited dominion of the federal government because we have weak and cowardly state governments. That's, that's the problem. And so I want, I want to instill a little courage in my Tennessee senators and representatives and show them how to stand up to this. And when we do that here in Tennessee, I know the other states, just like the people are hungry for a way to fight back, the other states are hungry for a way to fight back too. They just need to show somebody to show them how to do it lawfully and peacefully. And that's what I'm doing. Thank you, Greg. Okay, and just Mike to come back in. <laughs> Wendy, Wendy left this a little bit ago. She's listening online. Uh, this has been fascinating. So, so John, um, I did not plan this. Uh, I, I asked Wendy to, because uh, she had the report right before yours. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's the Oh My God report, or as we call it, Christianity with a kick. So I don't know if you had a chance to listen in before you called in, but uh, you can catch that in the podcast. Uh, Pianki is a regular caller, and we talk about the same issues he's talking about with you all the time. So, And our audience is used to this kind of conversation. So this isn't a brand new audience. This isn't a bunch of people that just uh, you know, just showed up you know, yesterday and said, oh, Constitution, that's nice. Um, so this was a kind of an interesting opportunity 
for for one of my reporters, one of my callers, to talk to you in depth. And so you can see that this, these are the kind of folks that are here. Um, so I've been just pleasantly listening. We did have one announcement um, while I was I was actually working too, because the folks that uh, uh, represent uh, Dr. Latipo, uh he had to cancel. He's got an emergency meeting, so he had to. Uh, he's not going to be able to be with us at the top of the hour. And so we're going to try and get him for tomorrow because tomorrow is completely open. We used to have the world's greatest doctors panel, Dr. Judy Mikovits, Brian Artist, uh, Jim Thorpe, Ben Marble, uh, some of our local doctors here, things like that. So Thursdays are pretty open around here. So this has just been fun. This has been great to listen um, to both uh, of these folks uh, uh, do things. I have some questions for you, too. Um, let's just start kind of work backwards on what you're talking about. The people need a way to take the country back. Because uh, yeah, I hear this all the time from politicians. I want to throw things at my TV. We're going to take the country back. And then the people go, yeah, we're going to take the country back. And then, of course, I ask, okay, well, how are you going to do it? And this is silence. <laughs> you know? and, and then people say, well, I don't know how to take the country back. I'm just one person. Well, I say, well, I'm just one person, and I've got Action Radio. John Gentry's just one person, and he's got uh, right of remonstrance and uh, right of nullification he's talking about. You know, we're just one person, but we join with a lot of other people, and things happen. And so what I see happening here, uh, and this is why I'm so glad to, to meet you and, and have you on the show here and, and let you meet some of the people that are involved with Action Radio, is that we're doing the same thing, but we're taking two different paths to get there. Whereas you're using the Constitution to, to um, resurrect rights that have long been forgotten and or oppressed, probably both, uh, I, I'm taking the path of actually having people write laws. And so what we say here is our slogan, we the people, you know, uh, give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. And so you've got these two pronged things, juries, which are supreme to the judge, which are supreme to the government because they represent the people. Okay. And, and the right of people to write laws. Now we're still in the Republic. I'm still doing what you're doing. I'm still saying that we go to our elected representatives and we present bills, but we can lobby those bills. We can hold them accountable at election time. And the whole idea that we're only able to give our consent to be governed. In fact, Christy Noma said this. It's one of my favorite governors said, well, the people give their consent to be governed on election day. No, I would like to give my consent to be governed every day. And this is how I'm going to exercise it. And so we're doing two very interesting things. Like I say, just going about it in different ways. And so uh, I don't know if you had a chance to explore any of the laws we've written, but you, you were talking earlier, I'm going to get back to this too, on the idea of, of remittances of the states holding back money. I have a bill, a constitutional amendment, that would take away the power of Congress to borrow money. That would solve most of what you're talking about if we could get that to the states first. Um, I don't want to do convention states because that's, that's going to be totally screwed up, but if the states can pass through resolution. You know, this, this bill sent it to the federal government, and then hopefully they will, will, will pressure them to ratify it, and then it can go back to the states for actual ratification without a convention of states. That might be something interesting, too. So that's a lot. Big comment. I've been listening for a while. But did you see our two paths kind of working together, uh, different two pathways to the same goal, that the government becomes of we the people, not of the government dictating to us? What do you think? But, well, the the – problem you know when i when i started this work i you know i mm-hmm. took um two cases all the way to the supreme court of the united states and i couldn't get i couldn't get justice i couldn't even get heard you know going to the supreme court of the united states well you don't go to the supreme so court for thought, justice thought, first of all <laughs> you don't go to the supreme court for justice so so, so i started it's I'm like okay i'm not going to get mm-hmm. i'm not going to get justice to the judicial branch let me try another branch of government so i started mm-hmm. looking at the at the legislature and i'm like gosh these guys these guys are just as corrupt, if, if not more corrupt, than the judiciary. 
And 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 then you know and, I'm, and then as I looked at it, I'm like, well, the judiciary is corrupt because the legislature transferred power from the legislature to the judiciary. They transferred the power of the right of of, the, of impeachment, and they gave that power to the judiciary, who never uses it. I mean, we just don't in this country, despite rampant corruption in our judiciary, no judge has been impeached since like the 1960s. Literally. I mean, they no, just, I believe it. They it's just insane. do not. Yeah. They well, don't here's the thing, too. Judges. Well, let's, let's talk well, about let me, um... let me wrap up. Okay, let me wrap yeah, up on this point, though. Sure. So you, you cannot have justice. And that's what we're talking about, you know, with, mm-hmm. with, the, with the laws that you guys are working on. You know, we're talking about justice. And that's the purpose of our Constitution. You know, we the people, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice. That's what the Constitution is for, is justice. And when you've got a government acting in gross violation uh, of state governments or the state constitution, federal government violation, federal constitution, mm-hmm. uh, you, that's, that's the breakdown. That's why you don't have justice. So we can put you know, as much legislation as we want out there, but we've got to get back to the basics of the government acting within the confines of the Constitution. And that's not, that's not what they're doing. I mean, they're, they're just like, you know, we don't care. Yes, we have judges holding prohibited offices. Yes, we have an unchecked branch of government and the judiciary. What are you going to do about it? Off patooties, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. That's what the, that is literally what government is saying to me and to the people. Well, I don't, I don't accept that. And I don't sit back helpless and say, oh, well, I try. You know, if, if you never quit, you never lose. So I never quit, therefore I never lose. And I just keep pressing this site and pressing this site and rubbing it in their nose and, 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 and holding a mirror to them and saying, you know, this is what you've become. You're the new King George now. And and is this really, you know, who you are? You know, look in that mirror. And they are not liking that reflection, but we have to get that. You know, before we can get good legislation, before we can repeal bad legislation, we have to restore a Republican form of government. And the only way we're going to restore the Republican form of government is by restoring the right of remonstrance that is that is fundamental. It was in the United States v. Krukashank case back in the 1800s. The Supreme Court said fundamental to a government, Republican, in character or form is the right of the people to petition for redress agreements. If, if we don't get that, every, I mean literally, and, and I, don't, I don't mean to demean, but literally, mm-hmm. every, in my mind, everything else is going to prove futile until we restore the right of the people to petition government. See, I disagree with you um, because I think we can both uh, accomplish our goals. Like I say, we're on two different pathways to the same thing. See, I think the legislation is critical to our republic because the legislation we write is based on freedom. Uh, you look at any of our bills, you know, no bill gets out of action radio unless it's simple, easy to read, short, uh, a single subject, 
and it increases everybody's freedom. I mean, everybody's freedom. There are no special interest legislative things going on here. But in many ways, the things that you're looking for, um, you, if you go, at the, you're going from the position of grievances. So in other words, the people have grievances, and I'm saying, and I'm doing a different way. I'm saying that the people, you know, are writing the actual legislation we consent to be governed by. So we're both doing the same thing. We're doing it different ways. And it'd be interesting to see how this works out and maybe just watch each other and, and keep in touch and, and, and chat with how we do this um, because I'm not an expert on what you're doing. And, you know, like I say, you're new to the bills that we're writing here. So it's not a problem that we're doing this in two different ways. In fact, it's an advantage because, you know, it's like, it's more, uh, you know, more and more uh, fishing lines in the water, you know, to see who, who catches on to it. But I think that um, what's happening is a lot of people are excited about Action Radio. Uh, our bills especially are, are catching on. Uh, uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits, for example, is going to the Reawaken America tour where uh, Eric Trump is, where General Michael Flynn is. And she's talking about our bills on vaccine product liability and ending big tech censorship. And it's catching on. There's a chance that I might be on that tour. Uh, and so what's going to happen, what's happening with citizen legislation is I think it's a fundamental change as what you're talking about is a fundamental change too. So I need to learn more about these two rights, the right of nullification and the right of remonstrance, um, because they're absolutely critical. But in the same way, I also believe that the, the ability of people to start now writing legislation that they choose to be governed by and getting that into the media, getting into the news, getting into the, the, the hands of the people in Congress and having people share it with all the other people, you know, hopefully for millions of listeners, that that's going to have a huge effect too. Otherwise, well, I wouldn't be doing this. That's, you know, so that's, so way, that's why I say it. You know, uh-huh. that, that, that's the way that legislation was introduced in the beginning. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, I've gone back and read through, you know, the, the late uh, or the early 1800 House journals in our, in our legislature and, and reading about this right of petition. Mm-hmm. You know, the members down there, you know, back then in the 1800s, they'd get there. They didn't have lobbyists back then. And they're like, okay, now I'm elected a representative. What do I want to, you know, what should I do? And and so they, you know, very carefully considered petitions back in the 1800s. And a lot of them were like, oh, you know, we need to build a road from this town to that town. We need to build a bridge across this river. Uh, you know, there's a, a group of citizens that they want to be a new county in the state. Uh, there were lots of different reasons. But that this right of petition, that's how uh, – issues that are important to the people come to the attention of the representatives. And today, you know, what we see is if you're a citizen and, and you know, you're suffering some injustice and you want some new law made, you call uh-huh. your representative and they say, who are you with? And like, well, I'm, you know, I'm just, yeah. I'm just, how much you donate to my campaign? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I believe me. I'm you with know, you there. Oh yeah. 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 And so there, you know, so then, you know, Oh, well just send us an email and then you get back the you know the, the the rubber stamp you know blanket email that says you know thank you for your participation we'll consider this and it goes into the circular file cabinet. Right? I know, but see now here's the thing though, and here's what we don't know, and uh, we don't know what's going to happen you know as your fight continues. We don't know what's going to happen when several million people drop a vaccine product liability bill that Congress cannot write. They cannot do it because they're all beholden to Big Pharma. That's where most of them get uh, a whole ton of their money. Yeah. So Big Pharma has bought liability immunity from Congress. Well, that's insane. No company should have that kind of power. That's fascism. 
That's the government, you know, to control the people. That's what fascism is. Most people don't know that either. And so, but if we have a bill that does that and a whole bunch of folks get behind it, the more people that get behind us, especially if we can get Donald Trump behind us too. Now, I'm not putting all my eggs in the basket of Donald Trump. I'm still going to do what I'm doing here because I really don't care which parties in office are or who exactly the people are that are there because I'm going to be petitioning them with these bills no matter who's in office. But the thing is that the people, once people get the idea that they can actually write bills that are the laws that they consent to be governed by, like if you study history, the, the committees on correspondence, for example, the kind of like the shadow government that emerged in the colonies, they sort of had a pre-government. So the U.S. government didn't suddenly spring up when the Constitution was being debated. This had been in the works for 100 years. And so this is, a, this is what we're doing now. I don't know how long this is going to take, hopefully less than that, because things move faster now. We've got the technology. But, um, but this, this is going to be, I think, a, a fascinating process. I do have a question for you, though. Um, and I wrote this down as you were yeah. talking. It's, it sounds like you're asking. Oh, you want to respond to what I said so far? Then I got a question for you. Yeah, go ahead. John? Hello, John. Somebody have, somebody have a question, you, you said? No, I just said you, it sounded like you wanted to make a statement on what I was saying. Did you have a comment, first of all? And then I, and then I got oh, a question no, for no, you. No, 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 no. Okay. No, all right. no, I just listened. Okay, so here's my question. Um, it sounds like when you go to the government um, about the right of remonstrance, it's, it sounds to me like, I just wrote this and I said, you're asking for a right um, for something that we already have a right to, from people that don't want to give it to us or give it back to us. So I'm questioning rather than ask for the right of remonstrance, just exercise it. Is there a way to say, okay, I'm giving you this petition on this grievance under the right of remonstrance. Here it is. Well, this is, this is what, this is what um, government is acting in gross violation of the constitution. So I presented, I presented my first remonstrance in January of 2019 and okay. I was seeking reform of the judiciary, uh, mm-hmm. making void statutes that are unconstitutional, that protect corruption in the legal profession and the judiciary, and, 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 and reinstating the right of due process. Because that, that right, I mean, even Trump, he doesn't know it, I don't think, but mm-hmm. even Trump, his right of due process was grossly violated uh, with his election fraud lawsuits as well as his immigration bans. I mean, he, he, had a, he, had a, he had a federal crime uh, deprivation of a constitutionally protected right as a federal crime under 18 U.S.C. Section 241 and 242. Yeah, we covered those. Of a federal crime, but, but he just yep. doesn't know it or, or know how to fight that. <laughs> That's because his lawyers so, suck. <laughs> they, they said, yeah, well, it's not that they suck. It's, it's, they're smart, and, and they're not going to stand. And no well, attorney is going to stand up to a corrupt judge or they lose their license because, yeah. because the, the, the judiciary controls the licensure of attorneys, which is mm-hmm. a whole other topic and, mm-hmm. and exercise of power not granted to them. But anyway, yeah. so I remonstrated the first time, and, and I did not know that I had a right to orally address government. And the reason I didn't know is because they have a false version of the Tennessee Constitution on the General Assembly website. And it says that we can make this application by address of remonstrance. That's, that's what I thought the language of the Constitution said, by address of remonstrance. So when I wrote my first remonstrance, I constructed the form uh, almost exactly the same as you would prepare a, a, a brief, a petition for a writ of certiorari in the Supreme Court of the United States. I used the same document form 
that, that you're required to use in the Supreme Court of the United States. And I demanded oral argument on the cover of that, as well as I had a whole section on, on why I should be able to argue orally and present my petition to the General Assembly. Mm-hmm. Well, they would, they, they, the only thing they, the only action they took, second video where they announced it, and then they did the same in the Senate and announced it on the Senate floor. So mm-hmm. I brought a lawsuit against uh, the speakers and clerks of both houses, and that, that lawsuit, it was a petition for writ of mandamus. And I said, you know, their rule, Rule 15 in the House, Rule 22 in the Senate, it says, uh, before a petition shall be received and read at the table, a brief statement uh, must be filed with the clerk. So that, that their rule says petitions are received and read at the table. I wanted to read my petition. I wanted them to give me 15 minutes to present to them why they should grant the redress that I want. And they refused that, so I sued them. So I took, I took that all the way, I took that case, you know, through the Tennessee Court of Appeals, Tennessee Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court of the United States, and they would not uphold my right. Well, while I was in proceedings, I was arguing, I said, it says by address of remonstrance, they have to address my remonstrance. And, and my argument was, of is a preposition, and, and by address of remonstrance is a prepositional phrase. And so, for example, uh, uh, you, you can say librarians are fond of books. And, and of books is complementary prepositional phrase. And when it's complementary, it's required to give meaning. You can't just say librarians are fond. It doesn't mean anything. So I was arguing they have to address my remonstrance. They have to decide. They can decide however they want. But tell me yesterday, they got to tell me no. They can't ignore me. And, and so the deputy attorney general gets up and says, well, the Constitution actually says by address or remonstrance. So I got up in rebuttal, and I'm like, well, that's just great. Now I know my government has deceived me in a massive constructive fraud with a false version of the Tennessee Constitution on the General Assembly website. I said, I want to see the originals. I want to see the original 1834 and 1870 constitutions. So I went down to the Tennessee Archives Library, and I said, I want to see the originals. And they said, well, you can't. They're in cold vault storage. Uh, you can go look at a digitized image online. I said, no, I want to see the originals. I'm in a lawsuit right now against the speakers and clerks of both houses. So they went all the way up to the Secretary of State, and they said, let Gentry see them. And this was one of the most honorable experiences of my entire life. Hmm. Uh, I got an email. I got an email from the chief archivist, and he said, okay, we got some rules. You can't touch it, no sharp objects, can't have any writing instruments near it. Well, that's fair enough. You cannot touch it. You can't yeah. touch it. We're going to have uh, one of our archivists is going to turn the pages for you. Please tell <laughs> us in advance what pages you want to look at because these documents are very fragile. And, and it's going to take about a week to raise the temperature uh, from, from it's, I think it's kept around 50 degrees or something. And then they raised that slowly to room temperature. And then they brought it out for me. And I read it. And it says, by address or remonstrance. So I, exercised, I went around the state and I got signatures from across the state of Tennessee. And I presented them with a second remonstrance. 
And I, and I said, we're asking you to resolve to welcome, hear, and decide petitions and to reinstate the Propositions and Grievances Committee that used to exist as late as 1831. I want you to reinstate that agency and start hearing, welcoming, hearing, and deciding petitions. And so they just announced that on the floor as well, and Speaker Sexton's office was ignoring me. He, you know, I'm like, well, I, because I made that second application, I said, we're going to present this to you orally. We have a constitutional right to address you. And, 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 and that publicity of a public address will, will ensure protection of the right. So I said, we, you know, we're asserting the right to orally address you. The Constitution says we have a right to apply to those invested with the powers of government for redress and proper purpose by address. I want to address you. Yeah, I just want want to jump in here because it it just seems to me a little bit of a conflict of asking for a right that you already have from people that have taken it away who don't want to give it to you in the first place. I'm not asking for it. I'm just asking for it. I'm defending this right. I'm not asking for it. I'm defending it I just want to make sure that against the government. And we're going to hold up in a little bit here because I want to get to uh, – got Laurie on the line. I want to get to a little different topic. This has been fun. Anyway, Pianca, why don't you ask the last question? And then, uh, John, we can always pick this up next time. I'm sure I'm going to have you back. You know, and we're going well, to, we have a lot of like talking to do. Said, Go ahead. He Go ahead, wanted Pianca. to see the original Constitution. What we have been presented with in many cases mm-hmm. is a mockery. It's not the original. And when you talk about digitizing, they have the ability to change words. Words, you know, Democrats are good at creating definitions and coming up with new words. You want oh, yeah. to see the original. And if you get no, back to the original, sense. then yeah. these things make more clarity and more common sense. You know, the funny thing about this, if you, you didn't have the Constitution, if the Constitution, if the Constitution the original, was to disappear. Hold on, John. The, yes. original, the original Constitution is actually visible in the United States archives, it's in the rotunda in yeah, Washington D.C., and the and the pages are laid out. You can read the original Constitution is there. In in Tennessee, though, it's not. You know, they have a digitized image of it, um, but you can't actually. You know, and I want them. That's one of the things I want them to do is to lay out. You know, it's like thirty pages. I want them to to you know in in D.C. It's in an inert gas, probably something like argon, and it's in a vacuum, you know, to protect Light sensitive. It's got un- the whole thing. Un- it's in the archives. Under glass. Yeah. Yeah. I want to I do the same thing, you know, with yeah. our Tennessee Constitution. Put it under glass. Put it in inert glass so everybody can go down there and read it. Not that you have to get permission from the Secretary of State like I did. <laughs> but so right now, right now, I have an active case in the Tennessee Court of Appeals where I'm arguing I have a right to orally address them. And they, they used legal trickery in the trial court and said, uh, well, you already sued for this before, and you can't sue again for the same thing. What, double jeopardy? The doctrine of race, <laughs> ju- race judicata. And I'm yeah, saying, okay. well, the first time, you know, the cause of action was a written remonstrance demanding reform of the judiciary. This one, it, cause of action, is is defending the right to make oral presentation of a remonstrance, asking them to welcome, hear, and decide. I was like, these are this is not race judicata, and so now you know we've got corrupt deputy attorney general 
conspiring with a corrupt magistrate in Chancery Court to oppress this right of mine. So now I'm in the Tennessee Court of Appeals. The briefing is complete, and mm-hmm. I'm waiting for uh, all the, for the court to set date for all argument. And then I'm going to oh, go in there and walk yeah. and walk them through history. Now, but but the difference is now now it's not just John Gentry. It's it's going to be either Governor Gentry, or it's going to be former candidate for governor, John Gentry, arguing in the Tennessee Supreme Court. And that's going to have publicity. And when the people hear my arguments and, and, and they hear the nonsense coming out of the deputy attorney general's mouth, the people are going to know that our judiciary is corrupt if they say, no, you don't have a right to orally address your government. I mean, yeah. it, it, it is absurd. Article 1, Section well, 1, power is inherent in the people. Section 31, we have the, the right to exercise sovereignty. In Section 23, we have a right to instruct our representatives. And to say we have those rights, but we have not a right to orally present to them is absurd. They're saying that they rule us, that we don't rule them. It is absolutely absurd. And so when I have the publicity, either as governor, or as a former candidate for governor, it's going to have everybody's attention. And that Tennessee Supreme Court, Tennessee Court of Appeals, are going to look like corrupt fools when they say no in front of the people. And yeah. I will put it out to the, to the people what they're doing down there and cause outrage. Okay, John, let me hold you up there um, because this has been fascinating. And uh, like I say, I want to, uh, I think you've adequately made just amazing arguments. This has been pretty cool. And of course, you'll have a podcast available. Um, If you don't have the link, I'll send it to you. Or you can just go to blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. It will be the top show. And since uh, the Surgeon General hasn't come here, I'm going to change the title and make you – the top guest that's the title for the show today. And we'll work on, uh, on Dr. Latipo for hopefully tomorrow, but let's get your website one more time. Thank you very much. And we will do this again soon. Yeah. My website is we, the people V is in Victor five zero.com. We, the people V five zero.com. And you can get links to my, my Facebook page. I write a lot of essays on there, uh, on my YouTube channel. You can actually witness me arguing uh, in the legislative houses as well as arguing in court. Uh, those are I post a copy, got videos of those, posted them on the website, so you can actually witness. Like I'm in the trenches fighting these guys. Okay, John, thank you very much. We shall do it again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio.
Okay, so this is this is definitely improv day. I'm going to make uh, Lorianne Keller. It's flying live, and Pianki is still live too. And we've got um, Dr. Judy Mikovits, who I asked if she wanted to call in, and we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, is on the line right now too, and so I'm going to go to her right away. Um, but uh, Dr. Ladapo, I just found out. In fact, during the time that that Wendy was uh, talking to uh, uh, John Gentry about uh, right of remonstrance and and state right of nullification, uh, I got the message that Dr. Ladapo couldn't make it. So uh, I'll let you know tomorrow if he's going to come in. But you're live now, Judy. And if you want to talk about any particular issue, news, anything that's happening, uh, me, you know, joining the Reawaken America tour and uh, meeting General Michael Flynn and, and carrying on our, our citizen legislation, please feel free. How you doing? Hello, Judy. <laughs> I'm doing Good morning. okay. <laughs> Good right. morning. Good morning. Yeah, I'm doing okay. Um, yeah, don't have anything new. As you know, we're working on all of those things you just said. Okay. Um, uh, I want to take yep. your time if you're busy, we're because I know you're busy, but uh, that's, that's just, you know, we just had a moment, and since you were on the phone, I thought to see if uh, anything, I can, anything I can help you with? Um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm working on, I'm going to, I thought today was Wednesday, so. It I'm is Wednesday. No, no, the, the Dr. Latifo can't, okay. well, actually, his staff, he has PR people, staff people, you know, he has, he has people. <laughs> we have us. Yes. <laughs> so I got the message yes. during the show just a few minutes ago, uh, about half, well, about 45 minutes ago now, that he wasn't going to be able to make it this half hour. So we're going to, he'll be on. We just, not right now. So like I say, uh, if you want to okay. stick around for a while, feel free. If not, then yeah, I, uh, I just, you know. Okay. I'm going to sit well, around and listen and I'm going to get to, okay. we're going to get on the reawaken tour. You know, yeah. I was thinking about Branson, but it's coming up in a few days, and so I haven't mm. reached Clay yet because usually he's driving. But well, I'm not yeah. going to be in Branson, but my team will be. The booksellers—that's okay. all I know. The there you go. Speaking of your team, the word will be there. Yeah. Speaking of your team, I'm going to I'm going to put together the 18 uh, links to our shows of the world's greatest doctors panel, and I'll be able to get that to you probably this weekend. Um, so that uh, that might be interesting okay, too. Yeah. yeah, let's let's make a block. Yeah, that's what we're. We're back in California. Uh, just my project manager is here, that webmaster, so he can get all this stuff together to get it out there for you. So that's okay. what we're working on this week. Just putting it all on paper since we've been talking for the last eight weeks. Oh, yeah. That's going to be fabulous. Uh, and, again, uh, Judy's helping me with, with uh, Clay Clark and the Reawaken America Tour. So, uh, you know, everybody talks about uh, what can I do. Well, this is what you can do. So I want to just real quickly while you're here, Judy, if you have a, a minute, uh, Laurieann is on the line and Pianchi's yeah. on the line, too. I want to see if they have, like, one question for you. Uh, just Laurieann, do you want to talk to uh, Judy Mikovits? I know this is a surprise. You weren't prepared for it. But since we're here, do you have a question? Um. Wow, yeah. So get me on the spot. Um, <laughs> that's okay. Welcome um, to live what radio. What a great surprise. Um, yeah, Dr. Judy, wow. What a, yeah, love it. Um, uh, I'm Laurieann, Lucid Libertarian with Laurieann. I have a show here on Blog Talk. And um, really, just a comment, I've you know, followed a lot of what you've had to say, listened to you know, a lot of. Uh, speeches that you've given and things, and so I'm just I'm I'm a really huge supporter of you getting the truth out, and I really consider it an honor just to be introduced to you this morning. So, good morning. Thank you for being here, and um, yeah, uh, I'll try to have a question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Judy uh, be back, you know, but this is this is just one of these spontaneous things. This whole day's been spontaneous. It's been great fun. Pianki, do you have a question for uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits? If not, we'll get into Lori's uh, gun chat. No, not right now. Thank you. 
Okay. Sure, I'll All right. Um, Judy, like I say, you can mute yourself, join us whenever you want, just come back in. Yep. Um, we want to talk guns for okay. a little bit, and it, may, it might be interesting at some point to uh, get onto the CDC wants to, they used to want to regulate guns as a, as a, as a public health issue. That might be something fascinating to talk about. But um, yeah, just stand by <laughs> whenever you want to join in. Feel free. Okay. Will do. <laughs> okay. Sounds cool. Laurieann, introduce yourself. Well, you already introduced yourself. Let's, let's talk about what's going on in Oregon. You've got some wacko, unconstitutional, uh, dictators up there. I mean, you have, uh, you know, I call it, uh, you know, there's the aristocracy, there's the, you know, all that other kind of stuff or all the other uh, things. We call it an idiocracy here. <laughs> so we're run by an idiocracy. We're being run by idiots, you know, at the federal and the state level. So tell a story. What's, what's, what's this gun bill? What, what kind of moronic things are, you, are, are these people trying to do? <laughs> um, well, essentially measure 114 here in Oregon, it is um, up for on our ballots to vote for. And the PDF for it is 12 pages of unconstitutional garbage. Um, and really what it's going to do, it, it not only violates our U.S. Constitution, Second Amendment rights, but it also violates our Oregon Constitution. And so I'm going to start out with reading what the Oregon Constitution says before okay. I get into the details of this horrible measure, which, by the way, I, I got a comment. It, I find it comical that the CDC wants to declare guns as, you know, as a public health Well, they used to do thing. that. No, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's incredible. And, you know, if Dr. Judy wants to weigh in on that, that's, that was a huge issue back several years ago. And they can't do that. There's no provision for, for health in the Constitution anyway. So the idea that they could not only uh, – and this is something I want to talk to Dr. Latipo about – is the whole idea of the CDC. CDC, they, they think they get their authority from the Commerce Clause. They're not even a health agency. They're, they're a business agency. <laughs> you know, tell us screw up in government. Yeah. But the idea that a, a, a Commerce Clause non – they're not even an agency. They're, I don't know what they are. Um, but they're certainly not a regulatory agency. And the idea that they have any power at all uh, is, is, is crazy. But to, to think that they could uh, – that the government could use them to, to do psychoanalysis on whether people should have to exercise their firearms rights, oh, give me a break. Um, so they just make stuff up. And that was one of the, the issues we can, we can get to. But, yeah. But how does this even get on the ballot? Oh, yeah. You know, how, how is it on the ballot? How are guns a disease? Um, yeah. Yeah, right. Guns uh, are yeah, Freedom's so... a disease. We've got to cure freedom. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We have to cure our rights because um, mm -hmm. it's a disease that people are inflicted with. Oh, no. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so our Oregon Constitution, mm -hmm. um, quote, unquote, says the people shall have the right to bear arms for the defense of themselves and the state, but the military shall be kept in strict subordination to the civil power. So that is what the Oregon Constitution states. Now, hmm. keep that in mind <laughs> mm -hmm. okay. as I read you from our voters' pamphlet. Uh, again, like I said, this, leg this is legislation is 12 pages on the PDF that there's mm -hmm. just no time to cover and, and, oh, I've got the and go through it from, all. Uh, I've got an article from Bearing Arms, which has it in, from John uh, Pellegrino, uh, uh, Petrolino, excuse me, from uh, October 24th. So I've got the bullet points. On which we can go over without doing 12 pages of, of liberal yeah, BS. Yeah, on some of them. <laughs> okay. And then, but I wanted to read this explanatory statement that's in our voters' pamphlet because Ooh, obviously this, this voters' pamphlet goes out to everybody in the state of Oregon. Mm -hmm. uh, and so this is their explanatory statement 
Um, it, it has some bullet points on what currently the laws are, but I'm going to scroll down to under this measure, uh, individuals must have a permit to obtain firearms from a gun dealer, private individual, or at a gun show. To obtain a permit valid for five years, an applicant must do the following. Complete an approved safety course, including review of relevant laws, safe firearm storage, firearm abuse and misuse prevention, applicants' hands-on demonstration of basic firearms handling and firing, instructors certified by, law by a law enforcement agency. Then pay an, an initial fee, maximum of $65, covering fingerprints, background checks, and then it's a $50 renewal fee after that five years. Uh, submit the application to the state police, which prepares rules for the required information in the application. So the state police is going to somehow govern the rules for this, that's another problem. Uh, well, pass the background check and be cleared me, to possess a firearm. Let me just jump in for a second here because uh, some of these are absolutely fascinating. I want to kind of go over them one by one. But the, the people in Oregon that are saying that even requiring an ID to prove you're a citizen um, to vote, you know, and anything other than that is voter suppression, are the same people that are proposing the most radical Second Amendment suppression I think I've seen in a long time. Does anybody point out that little hypocrisy in your state? Does anybody yeah, if you want to purchase a firearm, exercise your right, you have to be treated like a criminal, mm -hmm. <laughs> like you're an assumed criminal. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to vote, then, oh, my gosh, it's racist to demand an ID. Um, <laughs> Why don't we call this a racist bill? Why don't we call this racist gun control? I think you're on to something. No, we need to call this racist gun control because how can, how can poor minority populations exercise their Second Amendment rights? How can they have access to quality firearms and ammunition if they're being suppressed by this, uh, by this Second Amendment uh, firearm suppression? Ooh, you like that line? Well, uh, I the <laughs> Oregon Constitution... The Oregon Constitution says what it said, and it can't get no clearer than that. This ballot issue is totally unconstitutional, not only to the U.S. Constitution, but more importantly, and I say it with emphasis, more importantly, the Oregon Constitution, which existed before the U.S. Constitution, actually. Hmm. Lori? Where'd Lori go? Was that a question, or did you want me to continue? <laughs> well, I, I just go back to you so you can make statements. You guys can talk. In other words, I don't, I don't have to be always on the air. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying listening today. This is, this is oh. a, a good experience. So just go ahead and jump right in. Yeah, you guys are, I you, know, to, you guys know each other. Yeah, Keep before we run out of time, because we can go oh, point got, by uh, point and got, talk like a half hour on each one of these things. You've got 35 <laughs> minutes, Lori. You've got 35 minutes. Take a breath. Meditate. But the thing say, is, Holmes. You know, the thing is, Lord, that ballot issue is legal, illegal toward the Oregon Constitution, which, as I said before, your Oregon Constitution even existed before the U.S. Constitution. <clears throat> it needs to be struck down. It needs to be kicked off. Those things that they're demanding, those things that they're criterion, is totally unconstitutional per the Oregon Constitution. You know, and I would tend to agree with you because I would think something like this, I don't believe, uh, I don't think something like this should go toward a populist vote with a simple majority. 
passing it. Um, this is too big of a thing to do, to just present it to voters. Here you go, you know, and regular voters don't read the full mm-hmm. 12 pages of this thing and don't really think about the the actual ramifications for it. Most voters don't go that far. Uh, they'll just read the headlines and they'll see, you know, the, the promotion, um, you know, to vote yes on this on their TV, and then that's all it takes. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so that's, that's another problem with it. Yeah, the thing is, the thing is, Laurie, is that the Oregon Constitution cannot be changed by a simple vote. And that's, if this, if this uh, proposition, if this referendum is saying that, then it is totally wrong. It should be scrapped. It cannot do that. That's like saying that oh, a yeah, child have, gave you birth to his mother. We have three measures. Three out of the four measures are measures that amend our Oregon Constitution and it's going to voters to pass on a popular vote. So that's a problem, a too. A simple majority vote. That's a problem, too, because that that's way the special problem. interests buy. They buy constitutional amendments, and that's what's happening to our constitution. Constitution, people forget, a constitution is a limit on government. That is all it is. The whole purpose of a constitution is to protect the people from the government you know, to give them limited powers, strictly limited powers, and keep them in that box. Legislation is meant to regulate people. You know, law, well, let me say this: laws are to regulate people to make sure that we don't have criminals in our society running around. And if we do, then they get punished by by laws. But constitutions are to limit governments. And once you keep that straight, it makes a big difference. Um, so let me ask you a question, Absolutely. Laura. The, uh, thank you. The the uh, uh, do you have an Oregon gun group? Uh, like California has the California Rifle and Pistol Association. Where are the gun groups in Oregon on this measure, and why didn't they say this shouldn't be on the ballot? This thing is blatantly unconstitutional, as Pianchi is saying. Yeah, there are there are several. Um, the there is one that our OregonFirearms.org has uh, created is uh, a pack for Stop 114, mm-hmm. um, and so they outline a lot of great information on there, too. Um, so, yeah, we do, there are some places, and I'll get into that, too, because I have another website open to talk about uh, the, the support and the opposition for this. Um, okay, good. So, yeah, so let's get on to even more of the guts and glory of this horrendous measure. Um, of course, the permit may be denied if the applicant poses a danger to themselves or others, because Oregon does have a red flag law, uh, which that's a whole other conversation right there. No, it's unconstitutional, um, too. It's prior restraint. You can't restrict yeah. people. You can't arrest people or take their property for things that you think they might do in the future, maybe. <laughs> that's what prior restraint is. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, you know, we'll deny you your right if we just think that you might be a danger to yourself or others, you know, if you can convince a judge. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You know, sometime in the future. And Mm -hmm. then you have to pay the attorney fees and everything to fight it. It is, that's also so unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. Um, It is, does establish, it establishes an appeals process for the denied, revoked or non-renewed permits. And that's a whole other process. So you have to pay the attorney. So, okay, you get denied. You have to pay for the attorney fees and stuff to appeal it um, and if you disagree with it. And if you lose, you know, then, of course, you foot the bill for that. Um, 
you know, so you have to go through all these expenses just to prove that you're worthy can be allowed to purchase a firearm or actually get this permit. You know, so even the permit doesn't guarantee you that you're going to be able to purchase the firearm. Uh, because once you go to purchase a firearm, then of course there's another background check. Um, you would you would hope that if you pass the background check in order to get your permit and you check all the boxes that you're supposed to, that you know your permit would allow you to purchase the firearm. But nope, when you actually go to purchase the firearm, you got to go through all that again. Uh, Wait, you know? It's like you need it's like you need permission to get permission. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Permission to get permission. Um. It requires this. This is the part that really gets my gears too. Requires the state police to maintain electronically searchable database of permits. Mm. So we have you mean a, registration. They're, they're going to have to create. For yeah, so this doesn't even. Yeah. We don't have this database yet. So mm. what this means is, if this passes and it's implemented. Mm-hmm. The state police have to create this database and get it up and running and functional and searchable for everybody to use. Mm. So meanwhile, how long is that going to take? Wait a minute, everybody and so you can't you get your permit until this database is in place, and how long is that going to take? Well, wait a minute. So if you have a database that everybody can use, does that mean that anybody can search Oregon gun owners and they can find what you own, you know, and is the state going to use this as a, as a registration slash confiscation scheme? I mean, who's open to, to, to looking at this database? That's a breach of privacy. And, and, uh, um, law enforcement agencies. So you're, okay. you're, so it's, ma- it's, a, it's a searchable and maintained and, mm-hmm. and everything by the state police and local and your county sheriff. Oh. So if they want to address, you know, patriots, American firsters, you know, people are running for office, things like that. If they want to harass them saying, well, we think you might be violating one of our, our gun laws here, they can be used as a political weapon against anybody on, with, with this database. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't even specify that they have to have a reason to do it either. Hmm. So at any given time, any law enforcement officer, once this database is finally set up, mm-hmm. any law enforcement officer can search that database at any time for any reason and, yeah, use it as a political weapon. Yeah, so um, there goes the Fourth Amendment, <laughs> the, the right yep. of due process and uh, unreasonable search and seizure. For those that don't know, and I only learned this fairly recently, when the, the, the Constitution says uh, unreasonable uh, search and seizure that people think today well that means if you have a good reason you can do it no what it really means is without a warrant so it should have said but it didn't because that was the way words were used back then that an unreasonable search is a warrantless search so in other words the police cannot make a search without a warrant of anything of your person home papers and effects those are where you can be safe and secure so the idea they can establish a database that does exactly the opposite that does allow them to do a warrantless search of your if your person house papers and effects um, that's uh, that is a direct violation of the Fourth Amendment. So I've stopped using the word unreasonable searches. I say warrantless searches because that's really what it is by definition. I went back to seventeen hundreds dictionary and looked it up. Little point for you, Lori. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean this is it's so crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. let's say you know you're driving down the road and there's a police officer following you and their squad car. You're not really doing anything wrong, but. They can quick look up in the database, see that oh, you have a you have a permit. You're a permit carrier with the ability to purchase firearms. Well, gee, I wonder so if I pull you now? over for some stupid reason, and mm-hmm. 
I'm going to make sure, you know, are you transporting it correctly? Is your magazine detached from the firearm? Is you know, within your reach, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's the, it's like a open door for them to find a re- good reason to pull you over. So um, wait a minute. So they can check. So, well, I don't even know if this is true in Florida. So people who have a concealed carry permit, the police can either can or cannot look that up currently. I'm curious. How does that work? So say the police pull somebody over. They pull, you know, police, I have a concealed carry permit for Florida, right? So if I get pulled over, can, can whoever's pulling me over look up immediately, you know, online in, in Florida and, and see if I have uh, a concealed carry permit or not? It shouldn't be on there. I, I mean, That's it what depends I'm on the state. I don't it think shouldn't it's on be there. on your driver's license because it brings up another level of dangerous awareness. It should be an ask question, then you permit the present the permit, but for them to look at your driver's license, then see that you have that option, then the next thing you know, they're reaching for their gun and asking questions. Which is funny because when you think about it, the most law-abiding citizens are those with concealed carry permits, and we've been through a background check. So in, in, they should be actually more suspicious of people that don't have a concealed carry permit, like criminals. They don't get a permit <laughs> because they're criminals. So if you look at it that way, it's Absolutely. actually well, that brings up a great point. Oh, please do. Because Go I ahead. could get a permit to purchase a firearm, but right. that's another thing, like what you just said. But I don't have a concealed carry on top of that. Hmm, that's a good reason to think that I might be transporting my gun illegally. Well, that's interesting. Because I don't have a concealed carry. Well, how does this get on that, the ballot? That's a great question. Yeah, here's another question. How did this get on the ballot? Do you have? Doesn't your attorney general have to review, or somebody have to review these before they get on the ballot to determine that they yeah, are constitutionally compliant before they even before they even get there? Lori? Yeah, there's a process. Um, you have to get enough signatures, and right. yeah, I not yeah, you gotta get enough signatures. You gotta you know check all the boxes. You, they gotta review. They review the. You know, you can't just make stuff up, get enough signatures, and get it on there. You know, these people a did. Process. <laughs> but but you know, it should yeah, be open. these people definitely did. Yeah, go ahead, Pianki. It should be open for public comment. You, the public can't be made aware of something the day they go to the poll. It should have been open for public comment in the legislative session before it even got as far as it had. Well, I don't know. Uh, that would happen with the signature process. So, so public comment, I mean, people can write editorials. There is public comment. They can do social media. There's a lot of ways to do public comments. It's not an official public comment like a regulation. See, but with a regulation, it's already, it's already going to go into effect. Uh, that, well, no, that's not true. The still in process. But, yeah, I think you can do public comment uh, in, the, in the petition drive and say tell people to sign or not to sign. So I think there's plenty of examples of that. What I'm more concerned with is that the fact that this thing got on the ballot as blatantly unconstitutional as it is, did the legislator approve it? Legislature approve it? Did, uh, did the Secretary of State approve it? Did the governor or the Attorney General approve it? Who, who approves? See, in California, the Secretary of State yeah, has to review each bill. The governor does? Okay, so we'll, we'll talk about Missouri in a second. Uh, or yeah, so there, there's a committee, um, right. a committee members. So uh-huh. there's a couple of chief petitioners. Uh, Secretary of State and you know other members of this of a committee, I guess that that reviews all this stuff. Um, and they approve this? Though well, they obviously they approved it. How did they approve yeah. it? How come that didn't cause an outrage? No one gets a pianki. 
Lori? Or do you know? Oh, I thought you were addressing Bianchi. I was well, well, I to say, we, we only like to talk it once here. That's a, that's an action radio tradition. But my question for you is, then I'll back up a bit a little here. How did this even get approved? And wasn't there any scrutiny of, of the committee? This is so blatantly unconstitutional. This is so illegal on its face. This is absurdly, obviously illegal. How did this committee ever say this was this was okay to put on the ballot? Laurie. Very good questions. Very okay. good. I don't know. I okay. don't know. I mean, it, it, this is mind-boggling to me. Um, okay. And, yeah, and then in our voters' pamphlet, too, you can, um, after the measure of the text or whatever, you can pay money. I'm not sure how much it is, but you have to pay money in order to pre- uh, write an argument in favor or an argument against. Um, so that's another part of it. And then there's deadlines and things like that. And so there's mm-hmm. like several pages of arguments for and against, uh, well, this good. measure. Like this is, this takes up the most, like, um, <laughs> it, it, it takes up like the most space. Like <laughs> it's almost, it takes up almost as much space as all the pages for the candidates. <laughs> well, let's, I want to hear the, well, I want to hear the first right? argument for and the argument against, but I want to give Pianchi a chance to ask you a question first. Pianchi, why don't you go Yeah, ahead. but I want to also continue, I, before we get the argument for or against, I want to continue with the the other meat, uh, meat of this bill, because that's oh, okay. not all, not just the database. Oh, There's going. more. <laughs> There's more to the well, glory of Measure 114. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Um, I don't live... I don't live in Oregon. The only thing I can do is say what we I've done in Missouri. I testified before a committee on the issue of body cameras for police officers. And that testimonial period was open to allow busloads and busloads and busloads and busloads of people to come and give their opinion before it went any further. I don't understand why come the state of Oregon don't allow their citizens that same option. They should be able to come and testify before committee what they think about this. And from what I hear, you got too many points on that bill. A person, and you know another thing, a person don't have to know how to read and write in order to give their opinion orally. Also true. Also true. Definitely true. Um, Okay, so let's get into the other fine points of this this horrible thing um let's see this another bullet point the sale or transfer of a firearm to a person without a permit is a class a misdemeanor repeat violations may be felonies um so even the transfer so here's my question about this that and trying to read this, you know, mind-boggling legislation, uh, my question is, okay, so let's say I inherit a firearm that violates the next part of this measure, which it regulates large-capacity magazines, which effectively bans any magazines that have 10, mo- 10 rounds or more. Yeah, we call um, those normal capacity, the, the, what they're calling large. Because uh, when the police yeah, have they them, call normal, large. <laughs> when the government owns them, they're normal capacity. When people own them, they're large capacity. That's a little, little tidbit of language. But exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what are they going to Exactly. Uh, so let's say that? I get that. Yeah. Um, you know, and then 
let's say, you know, so now I am in possession of a illegal firearm because mm-hmm. it holds more than 10 rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I want to sell that or if I want to give it to a family member, then they have to have a permit. You know, it's like this, this is just so mind-boggling how convoluted this gets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I cannot, I cannot transfer my own personal firearm to a family member or a friend unless they have a permit mm-hmm. to purchase a firearm. It so, like the um, next thing is going to be your automobile. Next thing is going to be your clothes. You can't transfer your clothes from one sibling to the other. You better stop that. <laughs> well, and this is, this is they're going to register everybody. And here's the problem, though. This is the standard Marxist technique. You know, Stalin said, you know, show me the man, I'll show you the, I'll, I'll make up a crime or something like that. They put so many laws and so many restrictions that nobody's going to understand this. No one's going to know what the police aren't even going to know how to enforce it. It's going to be badly. If, imagine this horror show does pass. It's going to be so badly enforced, so convoluted, so crazy that uh, people can be violated for anything. Now, is there a provision if people violate this to either confiscate their guns or take away their, quote, Second Amendment rights, which can't be done, but they might try to do it anyway? Uh, can you lose your gun rights if you don't comply with every last you know, codicil of this, uh, this manifesto that they're putting forward here? Is that in there anywhere? Um, well, it would be if you do it more than once and it's considered a felony. Okay. Because, of course, if, you're, if you have a felony, then you're lifelong banned from ever owning or purchasing a firearm again. Is that Oregon so, law or federal law? Because that's something we need to That's federal. Change. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, that's I, federal. Yeah, see, and we, we talked about this in previous shows. You know, but, one, you, you're either safe to go in the public with all your rights or you're danger to the public and you should stay in jail. But you can't come back into the public with some of your rights. That, that never made sense to me. Exactly. I agree. Exactly. Okay. I agree with you. you. So if, if you uh, classified a felon, then what's next? The firing squad? <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, and even though it's a federal, you know, that's a federal uh, law that says, okay, you know, you can't purchase a firearm if you're a convicted felon. Uh, even though that's a federal law, well, in order to get this permit from the state of Oregon, you have to go through the background check, which, of course, is under the federal government. <laughs> it's FBI background check, right? And so it, it, this is making it, uh, that, making it, in effect, legal in Oregon um, already, and just by complying with the federal law. Uh, so I don't think Oregon actually asked the state that that's a fact because it's kind of, you know, grandfathered, put it, to put it any differently. Um, As we were talking so earlier, yeah, I have so many questions Oregon, about this. Yeah, we were talking earlier, Laura, the state of Oregon has a right to nullify federal law. So, yes, federal law can say you can't carry it in Washington, D.C., but they don't have a right to tell you you can't do it in Oregon, Missouri. Illinois or North Dakota. But that's effectively what the background check does nationwide. You know, if your state has a law that requires you, you know, if your state wants to sell a firearm, well, then they have to comply with the federal law. And in order to do that, then you have to submit the background check. 
Um, you know, so any state that implements a background check law of any diff- of any kind of purchase or whatever, get a concealed carry, whatever it is, they're having they're automatically having to comply with that federal law. What they're doing is contracting with the federal agency that collects that information nationwide. It's not definitely a law. It shouldn't be a law. It should just be a convenience. Who better can do that than the federal government from reports from all 50 states? And then a state can go to that repository and seek out information that would help them to implement and apply their law. I mean, the state's got the ability to nullify that. They don't use it. Here's another case where you're letting the federal government take over everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I was just writing um, something here too. We got a. I want to write a bill at some point. I, I thought of this before. Uh, I don't understand the restriction that you can only buy a gun in your state. You know, if if California has a ridiculous law, their so-called assault weapons law, uh, why can't I go to Arizona and buy a gun there? You know, and this is a this is all part of gun control. But as far as I can see, the Constitution, the Second Amendment, does not prohibit you from uh, in your in your quest to own and carry firearms to keep and bear that you should be able to to purchase them from any state. Is there any movement like that going on out there? I know it's a little different question, but uh, that's something that we need to work on here at Action Radio to open up the states. Why should you? Be, why can you only buy a gun in your state? There's nothing else in this country that you can only buy in your state, as far as I know. You know, Amazon is nationwide. You want to go buy uh, widgets from New York? Buy widgets from New York. What's that? (laughs) Well, actually, you can. Like, you can go out of state and buy legal pot, but you're just not supposed to transport it, you know, between state lines. So if you're vacationing in California or you're vacationing Mm -hmm. in Oregon for a week, you can buy pot here and use it here, but transporting it across state lines is where it becomes illegal. Um, And so, you know, with... The gun laws, you know, mm-hmm. that's a really good question. Well, it's a constitutionally uh, protected activity, which means the sale of guns is also constitutionally protected. I would argue that a sales tax on guns, given that it is a right enumerated in the Constitution, that a tax on guns is an interference on your absolute right to, to own and carry to keep and bear arms. If you want to go to, the, to that extent, we do. Which leads to another question yeah. as we're thinking of, as we're pondering our points here. Um, is there any movement in Oregon to have really pro-gun legislation? See, one of the ways I want to fight this is I have, we have bills here that have been written to, uh, to take silencers or suppressors off the, uh, the firearms list of prohibited equipment because why should you go deaf when you're trying to save your life? We have bills that uh, take away all, that actually give tax credits and tax deductions for the purchase of firearms and ammunition and for, for expenses on range fees, training courses, licenses, carry permits, things like that. We have some very pro-gun legislation that says that uh, colleges cannot ban uh, the carrying of firearms by adults, which is anybody 18 or over. You know, I don't, and we need to overturn this 21 nonsense for guns. If you're, not, you're either an adult or you're not. Hell, I sold an airplane at 16. You know, you can fly a glider at 14. Yeah. You can't have a gun until you're 21. That makes no sense. Um, exactly. So I'm right there of, with you on that. Yeah. yeah. But where are the pro-gun? Where's the, see, the problem with the, the, the gun movement, that they've never figured this out, that they, they always try to defend against bad legislation, but they never put forward good legislation to put the, the gun grabbers on the, on the defensive. And I've never understood that. This is why I have a bunch of the pro-gun bills. I mean, a bunch. Conservatives are reactionary. Rarely they're proactionary. That's what it is with conservatives. They always wait till a person will hit them across the head four or five times before they react. 
and they still make the same stupid arguments. Oh, you know, I mean, the correct argument is the Second Amendment, but you, you got to, if you're dealing with Democrats, you want to go on something they can feel, you know, something they can latch onto. And it said, you know, it's like, okay, so you're going to leave, you know, 19-year-old uh, single mothers defenseless when they have three kids uh, from a stalker who's threatened to kill them. Is this just what you're trying to do? I mean, that's how you make that argument. And that's actually a real thing. You know, I'm not just making that up. But that is an argument yeah. that the, uh, the pro-gun forces could use, especially if a woman makes an argument. We have a lot of pro-gun women on this show, you included. And, the, you know, there's a reason yeah, for that. Exactly. And you bring up a great point because – Go ahead. It can take up to 30 days to get approved for your permit. And then if you're denied for some reason, which what's the Mm -hmm. stat? I think it's like nine out of 10 background check denials are due to some kind of error. And so, Mm -hmm. okay, so there's an error in my background check. I have to wait 30, up to 30 days Mm -hmm. to find out whether or not I am approved to get this permit. And then I'm denied. Mm-hmm. So now I got to wait, you know, another couple of weeks. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm supposed to file my, according to this measure, um, if I want to dispute it, I mm-hmm. need to file it within 30 days after that. And then I should at least get an initial court hearing within two weeks. <laughs> so on and so forth. A court forth. hearing. Wait, wait, you you know, to, explain that part again. You have to have a court hearing to get permission to get your firearm? Or like um what does it say? Uh, or by a judge or something that I can't even find it in these pages and pages. I was reading it. Um, I was reading through it and I saw that and I'm uh-huh. like, um, under their section of how to, you know, petition it. And <laughs> so that's another two weeks before, um, you know, so you got to file it within 30 days and then and have the two, they're supposed, they're supposed to give you, a hearing of some sort with a judge or whatever within two weeks. But even that language is vague. It's not, it, it even says, or reasonably able to happen, or I forget the language. But uh-huh. so that 14 days isn't set in stone. It is 14 <laughs> days or when they get around to it reasonably. Um, Could you, do you write <laughs> articles? Do you write articles in Oregon, for example? Or do you, are you online publishing articles? I'll no, tell you why I'm asking Oregon. Okay, so the reason I'm asking, uh, this would be a great chance to do it, because what I would do uh, is, is substitute the word vote every time it says gun. <laughs> so you have to, uh, you know, and from this article it says, uh, ballot 14 uh, measure would require government permission to exercise your voting rights. Ballot 114 would allow your personal information to be added to yes. a government registry. Um, ballot 114 would require a permit to, to vote or, or, or take anybody else to the polls. You know, law enforcement agencies are not required and, to offer training for voting, but they are the only ones who can offer a training course for voting. And you have to pay $65 in order to vote. Exactly. It's, it's your <laughs> if poll you go tax, to the polling right? station, you have to pay. If you want to send in your Oregon ballot, you know, because we're vote mm-hmm. by mail, then right. you better send your check for $65 in along with it or we're not going to count it. Mm-hmm. And first-time voters might find it impossible to uh, obtain a voter permit. So just put the word vote exactly. in place of gun, and you, you have a great article. Laurie? Yeah, that's a really good idea. You. That's a Go great idea. Write, write the you article, post it. You're trying to inspire it. me to be a writer instead of just a talker. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, well, you'd have more impact because yeah, like, you're, you're in Oregon. This is where we're going with this stuff, though. It would make more sense for you in Oregon writing about an Oregon issue than it would for me because you're there. Exactly. Yeah, and this goes right to, you know, this goes right into like, and one of the questions that I have yet 
to be able to decipher from this 12 pages of garbly gook in this measure is, okay, so there is a grandfather clause in there so that, you know, my firearm that I personally have, which has a magazine that holds more than 10 rounds, um, it is legal for me to continue to possess it. But here's the kicker. Um, so I can possess it, but then it's up to me to prove that I purchased my firearm before this legislation took effect, right? So I have to prove that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and this is from, yeah, this is from 10 years ago. Yeah, I, if I have it, where the hell I have it, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, well, how, your gun how long has are people going to be? Uh, Gunstar has a 4473 form, but they're not supposed to share that. Oh, yeah, true. So, but yeah, it's it's up to me to prove that I had it beforehand, right? Hmm. Uh, so that's that burden is on me. And then my question is, all right, so it's okay for me to possess it in my home, mm-hmm. um, and I cannot have it with me in my vehicle. I can't transport it unless it's under certain circumstances, like I'm going to turn it into a law enforcement agency or a gun buyback program. Um, or I'm taking it in for like a repair or something. So you can carry um, your gun to get rid of your gun. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, you can carry your gun to get rid of your gun. Exactly. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> it's like, or carry it to take it to a dealer because you know, then in order to transfer mm-hmm. it to somebody else, or you know. So does, um, well, wait a minute. There's all that garbly gook right there too. Yeah, but are you going to be able to have a concealed carry permit then? Because are people going to have to reapply under this new law to keep their carry permits? I believe that's still separate. It's still separate. So yeah, you. So it's going to be two separate permits. You have to uh, this well, permit for purchasing if the you... firearm, but it's a separate permit for a concealed carry. So you don't yeah, have to get a permit to keep your gun. Bucks. Right. So you don't have to get a permit to keep your guns, but you do have to get a permit uh, for for new guns. Uh, and then do, do you have to get a combined permit? So do your new guns have to be on your carry permit? And are, are only certain guns going to be on your carry permit? That I don't believe so in this, because um, okay. your carry permit isn't tied to your firearm per se. Okay. You know, you can have a concealed carry permit. You can have 20 guns. It doesn't cover the 20 guns. It covers your abil- your your legal uh, you know permit to carry any one of them or all of mm-hmm. them. You know, concealed. Uh, you know, if you can uh, <laughs> carry twenty guns concealed, it'd be a little difficult. Oh, listen, but, my uh, um, my concealed carry instructor. I'll tell you a quick story real quick. Uh, but uh, um, it's just you and me. And everybody else is gone. Uh, but our uh, my concealed carry instructor, when I got my permit in Florida, uh, he sort of walked in and said, you know, it's it's really tough to conceal guns. You know, they're bulky. They're a problem. I said, but uh, I managed to to uh, put a few on me. And he has like five pockets. He pulls up like five guns from his shirt. He's got like four in holsters, you know, and nobody suspected this at all. Right? <laughs> so, you know, so we lay all these guns on the table. We're all laughing hysterically. Oh, yeah, I guess you can conceal it, you know. And, uh, oh, yeah, so it's uh, there are ways to do it. But, yeah, but that's that's fascinating. But this is this oh, now. Oh, so uh, dropped and everybody else dropped. Everybody else dropped. It's just you <laughs> and me. Yeah, but we, this is a good chance for us to chat. Now, where do the politicians stand on this? Uh, people that are running for governor, people that are running for uh, senator, elective offices, things like that. Do you have uh, really strong positions for or against this from the people running for office? Um, I know that 
definitely uh, the Republican Christine Drazen. Uh, she is definitely against this measure, uh, at least she says so anyway. Uh-oh. Um doubt your mind. I don't trust Christine Drazen. I'm sorry. I just don't. Um, no. Say it here. Uh, but, okay. you know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> then, of course, Arleo Noble, absolutely 100% in opposition. Arleo Noble is our libertarian candidate for governor. <laughs> Okay. Uh, and then, of course, Gina Kotek, she is definitely in support of it. Uh, not quite sure about Betty Johnson, but she tends to be pretty liberal. So uh, I would be not surprised if uh, – I would actually be surprised if she was in opposition to this. Uh, but one of the good things about the people that are in opposition, the very number one thing that I that spoke to me the most in opposition is the union for our Oregon State um, sheriffs. Hmm. So our Oregon State sheriff unions are against us. So that's like I think the number one most important group, you know, organiza- organization of groups or group that are against us. So why are they against it though? The, are they against it because it's unconstitutional or because there's too much of a burden to implement it? Both. Okay, good. Both. That's, that's important. Um, they good. state both because, yeah, it's the cost of it. It's going to be time-consuming uh, mm-hmm. to set up this database. It's going to be, you know, time-consuming and costly to implement it and enforce it. Um, so, yeah, they're definitely in opposition to this. So that's a good thing. So th- what that tells me is that our state sheriffs, if this does pass, there's probably going to be a good number of county sheriffs that are not going to enforce it. They're going to say, screw you, don't care, not going to enforce this law. Which is um, good, but, it's, but it makes law arbitrary. So in other words, in certain counties, you're going to have a ridiculous amount of enforcement. In other counties, they're going to stand up for the Constitution. That in itself denies equal protection because everybody deserves to be protected equally or equally persecuted by the laws. You can't have differential enforcement like that. Yes, I know law enforcement has some discretion. That's a different situation. But to have sheriffs openly saying, I'll support every inch of this thing, and other sheriffs saying, this is blatantly unconstitutional, which it is, uh, and saying, I'm not going to enforce any part of that, that divides your counties into constitutional and fascist by law enforcement. That's not legal. Which Oregon's pretty much already like that. Because oh, interesting. Because current, okay. current Oregon law um, – this was just passed in what was it 2020 mm-hmm. that um, Oregon law changed so that local cities and counties can determine for themselves what what public places can or cannot uh, have you have you can conceal carry so. <laughs> And you know, so in addition to raising the fee for your concealed carry permit from fifty dollars to seventy five right. to seventy five, so you're paying more for it, but now you have to try to keep track of what county you're in mm-hmm. and what areas in that county you're allowed to conceal carry. So, so that gets rid of preemption. Where do you have preemption? Where the state says no, we're going to standardize this. Counties can't make up their own restrictions. Or do you not have that? That's what they did away with. Prior to this, it was 
statewide. Oh, it, it wasn't county by oh. county could decide. It was the state that said, okay, you can't carry a firearm in the state capital or schools, you know, that? country zone with schools, that kind of thing. That's yeah. Oregon state law. Um, but and it, but with 2020, the new legislation that they put in, now the counties or the cities can determine for themselves where people with a conceal with firearms that have a concealed carry permit can actually have them. So they can determine anything. You know, mm-hmm. they can declare gun-free zones just like New York tried to do. <laughs> they the, can the, the, present the this huge court. list where yeah, you can't Supreme carry almost anywhere. Yeah. You can't carry anywhere, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, this I, I've never understood this judicial principle that somehow care, there's a difference between carrying inside your home, uh, which you don't need a permit for <laughs> no matter where you are, uh, but, and carrying outside the home that somehow your constitutional right ends at your front door. That's insane. That's yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much. Yeah. Which with yeah. this measure is another one of my questions. Because like huh. I said, okay, so because I already have my firearm uh, mm-hmm. purchased well before this ever took effect, right. so I can possess it in my home, mm-hmm. but what if I actually have to use it? That is where <laughs> in all of this 12 pages, I do not see any clarification. What happens if I actually have to use it? I can, it's well, okay for me to possess it in my home, but is it okay for me to actually use it? Somebody breaks um, into my house and I use it in self-defense and it might be a clear self-defense and I'd be be cleared of any and all charges except I used an illegal firearm. (laughs) Yeah, and that's exactly what's going to happen. Because it was legal to possess it, but not legal to use it? Homeowner exercised a lawful right of self-defense, but they did it with an illegal gun, so we're going to throw them in jail anyway. Illegal by a standard that could not exist under the Second Amendment. So that happens all the time. Uh, and that's the crazy part about it. Now, do you have any, any tradition of jury nullification there so that if people come up on charges – see, I always wanted to be on, a, on a, like a, an open carry case or a, or a gun case or something like that where someone was being uh, persecuted and had their gun rights removed because they, uh, they did something that was against the law but was you know, compliant with the Second Amendment. And, of course, I would, say, I would be the juror that would say, no, you cannot convict this person. They didn't do anything wrong under the Second Amendment, which is supreme to your stupid law. You know, so no, we're not going to convict him by reason of the reason they're not being guilty of your law is that it's a constitutional right, and that's what I would do if I was on a jury. But do you have any any sense of jury nullification there? And we've done shows on it. Would people stand up and defend people? Um, I am them? definitely right with you on that um, right. nullification. I don't know if there's any laws against it. Nullification. Well, no, 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 no but no. judges all the time they say you can't. Ju- well, in fact, I got thrown out of court. I got thrown off a jury. Uh, this is, I've told this story. Roger Roots who's big on this. Roger Roots one of my favorite lawyers. Um, we talked about how the states, uh, all that federal land in the states, that's not federal land. It's actually state land that the states have not claimed yet. You know, the, the federal government has no right to land in the, in the states, especially the western states, where they seem to think that they can, you know, walk all over so much land and call it federal land. But we also had him on because he used to be involved with Fiji the Fully Informed Jury Association. And that's something that I was a member of for, for a long time. And they talk about nullification, that of course you judge the laws. Why? Because you're the jury. Why? Because the jury represents the people. Why? Because the judge represents the government. So if you're, if the only way the people can be supreme to the government is to have the jury supreme to the judge. So the jury should be instructing the judge, not the other way around. Lori? Exactly. Good point. <laughs> Great point. Yeah, you know, because I'm right yeah. there with you. Like, if I am, you know, mm-hmm. if I am on a jury, mm-hmm. and 
I would hope to be on a on a jury for a case of somebody being prosecuted under this stupid law. Yeah, we'd uh, well, be thrown off the jury. Potential we'd law. be thrown off the jury for being independent. That's the yeah, problem. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I got thrown out. Well, I'd be thrown out just because I'm me. You know, oh, Greg Penglis Action Radio? Yeah, you write your own laws, don't you? Why, yes, how about that? It's constitutional, too. No, it's not. Goodbye, your excuse. This is how I got thrown off the jury back in California because the judge says you can't judge the laws. You can only judge the facts in the case. That's your job. We will tell you what the law says. We will instruct you, yada, yada, yada. And I raised my hand. I said, excuse me, Your Honor? <laughs> he looks down like, like Scrooge, you know, if you ever see the movie. Yes. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry, Your Honor, but you're wrong. Uh, you just uh, you just stated a lie. And so I want to correct your record here that, yes, we can judge the laws in the case because we are we are the jury. We are the representatives of the people. I made exactly the same argument I just made to you. And he, says, he looks at me and says, what do you mean? You're going to just, just you know, arbitrarily decide what laws to use, what laws you can't use, what you make this up as you go along? I said, no, sir, I'm going to follow the Constitution. You should try it. <laughs> he looks at me and says, yeah. you're excused. You know, you know as I, a juror, I, I absolutely should be yeah. able to say uh-huh. uh, clearly that uh-huh. – I am not going to convict this person for violating this, you know, measure 114 legislation uh-huh. because it, it violates our Oregon Constitution. Yeah, the law am, is the as crime. As a juror, I'm going to, as yeah. you know, I am going to vote against persecuting it because our Oregon Constitution says the people shall have the right to bear arms for the defense of themselves and the state, you know. <laughs> so if it violates well, you know, our Oregon Constitution, that, um, then why should I be thrown off a jury for yeah. enforcing our Constitution instead of an unconstitutional law like this? Exactly. No, I agree with you, but, that, but I was thrown off that jury. Uh, so, in fact, I was thrown out of the whole jury pool. <laughs> there was 200 people there. Uh, so I, I got thrown out in front of a lot of people. Um, wish I had a, a – that would be a great cell phone cam thing. Anyway, but the, but the other thing is that people don't know about jury nullification. Uh, a lot of people wouldn't accept it because they, they haven't heard it before, and assumptions are stronger than truth. Judges certainly don't accept it, which is why we have a bill that uh, says that judges will issue a mandatory instruction that juries have the right of jury nullification, and we've got that in a bill. But courts are a horrible place you know, where people just make up stuff as they go along. I would have the judges in umpire uniforms or referee shirts, you know, white and black, you know, with a clipboard and a whistle. Uh, that's their job. And I would, mm-hmm. I, would have them seated, I would have them sit lower than the jury. I would have the jury as the highest seats in the place, put the jury up on pedestals, put the judge on a small desk in the front, uh, and, uh, and go from there. But the judge should not be the highest person there. The judge should be lower than the jury, you know, just as, as symbol of, symbolism for nothing else. But people don't, you know, they don't, they don't get I these agree. They don't. And you, you know, know who and, should be yeah, sat right beside the jury is who? the court reporter. <laughs> mm. The court reporter. People underestimate yeah. how important that job is to record everything word for word, verbatim, accurately. Mm-hmm. Um, that and job, they can't. They See, that's get, a you know, job. They should be hoisted up. No, that's why we need recordings. I mean, jury trials should all be recorded. Now, they shouldn't be public, and they shouldn't have the media there. I don't agree with media in a courtroom at all. But I think that all jury trials should be recorded. Uh, as, as the official No, record. but the court reporter is still needed. How many times uh, do recordings get screwed up or the microphone doesn't pick oh, something no, you, up you right them too. or whatever? You need that court reporter there that is literally that's their job to make sure everything is understood and recorded properly. No, I agree. Um, uh-huh. And hear what the microphone might not pick up. 
Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with that. that, that it's, a, it's a good backup. It makes perfect sense. There was a point I was going to make about this, and I've for, forgotten what it was at this point, but um, the, the whole idea of, of uh, jury nullification and the, the rights of the jurors, you know, we never talk about that. And it, that should be standard in civics. It should be standard teaching. Uh, the other thing is that the courts uh, uh, cannot interpret the law. You know, judges cannot interpret the law. You know, it's interesting, too, I found out, and we, we're a little over time now, but that's okay. Um, I found, in fact, you're the one that told me about it, which is kind of cool, that uh, the Constitution does not say justices. It does not say Supreme Court justices. It says Supreme Court judges. Did you know that? Uh-huh. Article 3. Ah. I will quote you. The judicial power of the United States shall be vested in one Supreme Court and in such inferior courts as the Congress may from time to time ordain and establish. The judges, both of the Supreme and inferior courts, shall hold their offices during, are you ready for this? Good behavior. Okay, and shall at the times receive uh, compensation. But the two things are: first of all, I've started calling them Supreme Court judges. If anybody questions me, it's right here in Article Three. Article, I'm talking too fast. <gasps> Article Three. And the second thing is good behavior, and that's something I wanted to bring up with John. Uh, John Gentry was this whole idea of uh, the judges and good behavior. Good behavior means that they can be impeached by and removed by the legislative branch, either the Congress or the state legislature. I mean, who else is going to determine good behavior? You know, the, other than the body that created the court in the first place, and that would be the legislature. That never gets talked about. Very true. Hmm. Very true. Yeah. So if you got a couple and more then, minutes, yeah, go ahead. I guess then you got to define what good behavior really means. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I can do. I can do that. That's a pretty vague term. I, I no, it's not. I, I don't make points like this unless I already have the answer. Uh, and good behavior is, de- is determined by compliance with the Constitution. Not interpreting it, not making it up, going along with it. Speaking of which, if you want to hear something fascinating, and I've started listening to uh, the oral arguments from, I think, Monday on the affirmative action cases. Oh, my God, they're hysterical. (laughs) You've got uh, Sotomayor and and Kagan saying that, well, we have to have diversity. You you have to use race. You you have to make, uh, you know, like like, uh, somehow people think with their skin color. It's really hysterical that they're saying it's better to have a diverse campus than to have the most qualified people there. It's ab- and they're actually arguing this. They're arguing for the case. They're, they're, they're not even listening or asking questions. They're actually lobbying for their opinion of how this case should go. It's, it's, it's really travesty and funny all at the same time. It's comedy and tragedy, as the Greeks would say, all in one happy show at your Supreme Court. Ugh. Sorry. Yeah, the, I mean, put it this way. Mm-hmm. You, let's say you have to have open heart surgery. I did, by the way. Do you care? Oh, yeah, you did. That's right, you did. Mm-hmm. Do you care about the color of that person, or do you care that that person actually was the top-notch in their medical school, top-notch in their surgical training, top-notch in their residency? <laughs> you know, is that what you care about? Or, you know, and if you do care about that, then you should be upset if a person of color that got lower grades, that doesn't have a high, as high a standing, they didn't mm-hmm. do as well in their surgical training, mm-hmm. but they were hoisted up be- simply because of the color of their skin, and that's the person that's going to be performing a surgery on you. Yeah. No, my doctor that was... That person was, got was, there... Uh... You know, he was a fabulous said, doctor. Yeah. He, yeah, he was a dark-skinned Arab, I think, probably Muslim. Uh, I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't give it a thought. Other than I think about it now, I'm just trying to think, what did he look like? But he was a really cool guy. 
uh, I'm not going to mention his name just because I don't mention you know names unless people uh, are here to comment on it. But what was fabulous. Uh, what was fascinating about it though was that uh, he said that um, uh, I, I, I kind of intrigued him because he said, "Where's your where's your family member to come with you?" And I didn't bring anybody because right? my family is one of those totally dysfunctional ones. I keep them as far away from me as possible, and so I went by myself. And he says, "You're not upset." No, I, I'm, you know, he says, well, I said, most people come here, they're crying, they're, 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 they're panicking, they, they have a box of Kleenex with them. He said, you brought a notebook. <laughs> I said, what's that for? That's for my question. No, I got to make a decision here. And you can make it on your own. Absolutely. Well, with you, you know, so he says, okay, here's the, here it is. I said, I said, give it to me straight. He says, well, you have a one in five chance of dying if we don't do the surgery within five years. I'm like, hmm, that's not good, is it? He says, no, it's not. And he says, it only gets worse after that. Huh, that's not good either. good either. I'm thinking, I want to do action radio. And action radio wasn't even a thing yet, right? So I'm thinking to myself, well, okay. So then I got four more opinions, and they all said the same thing. Yep, one in five chance, you're, you're gone if you don't, because they all had the lab results, the EKGs, all, all the stuff that went into it. And I'm not big on medicine, as you know. Um, and so, but I thought, you know what? I, uh, in this time, I think the, the consensus, and one of them was Stanford Med. So I, I went to the best. I had the best doctors in the Bay Area, you know, and then I had a Stanford Med consultant who's like a heart genius, right? And they all said the same thing. I said, okay, I, you guys convinced me. Let's do it. And two weeks later, I was on the operating table. Four months later, I drove to Florida, still suffering the effects of open heart surgery, driving across the entire country with everything I owned. <laughs> you want to talk crazy? That was crazy. But it's the best thing I ever did. Wow. The best, stupidest thing I ever did. It was dumb. It was insane. I did it anyway. And here I am. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, what, what is it? Risk averse. I'm not risk averse. I don't mind risk. So, you know. And after that experience, I said, well, hell, if I can do that, I can do anything. So uh, here we are. Exactly. I mean, you know, when, when you're going to be up for a surgery of any kind, I mean, you mm-hmm. want to know who your doctor is. Mm-hmm. You want to know, or, you know, if anybody for that chance, you know, it doesn't yeah. matter the color of their skin. And this affirmative action policy, I mean, it was good intended, but... Mm-hmm. No, well, it was, no, no, it wasn't. It was punishment for backfire. It, it, it punished you know, people that didn't do like it. Just like this, and it this measure one fourteen. Well, it's yeah. good intentions to reduce gun violence, but it has nothing to do with gun violence. And this don't is, this is actually raises a really good point. This has absolutely nothing to do with criminals or gun violence. There is an increased penalty for a crime. There's nothing in it about about bank robbery, carjacking, uh, assault, stalking, extortion, you know, kidnapping. There's nothing in it about any of those crimes. So how can this be about gun violence? Exactly. How can no one bring that point out? You know, this is nothing because, to do with gun you know, violence. It, this has to do with restricting it, you the know, good ban people. guns. Yeah. If we ban guns, then there won't be so much gun violence. What? No, no. they're just banning. Where is that work? Show guns. me anywhere where that's actually worked. Yeah. <laughs> Show me Chicago. Well, is, that... is it working in Chicago? No. Nope. Well, nope. there you go. <laughs> well, here's how I put it too. You know, in fact, you might want to contact Maj Ture, who's been on both of our shows. You know, he should come to Oregon and talk about this. That'd be a good thing for him to get on to. I know it's not much time left, but you never know. He might make an appearance in Oregon. Um, but yeah. this is something or that... Or uh, Coley Noir, too. I would love to get Coley Noir. Yeah, Noir. I have not been in contact with him, but I'd love to do that. Um, and the other thing, people you should contact, DC Project. Uh, we have uh, Shirley Watchell here, who's the Florida chair of DC Project. It's a women guns group. Do you belong? If not, you should. Look up, look up DC Project. They're good folks. They should be doing something as well. Send me the yeah. link to it so I don't forget. What is dcproject.com.org.something? DC Project. Okay. Look it up right now. DC Project. I'm trying to remember yep. that. 
you, you um, just, well, I'll send it to you anyway. You know, but, I have like five minute brain or five second brain sometimes. <laughs> see, this is, I'll be like, see, if, if, I'll get off the phone with you. I'll be like, what was that thing that you told me to look up? Um, exactly. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's like what the 51st dates, you know, you forget uh, the, 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 you know, who you met yesterday. I understand that. Um, this is a show for ADHD people. It just is. <laughs> you know, so, so whatever, uh, whatever you have that uh, yeah. drives you hyperactive, this is the place to be because this is how we talk here. Anyway, um, let me let you go. I was thinking of getting you to read one of the arguments pro and the arguments con, but I think we've taken up enough of everybody's time, uh, including yours. But, um, you know, let's get you back here. Oh, let's, uh, I'm good. I mean, that's oh, what overtime is for, right? I do it all the time it? Okay, on my fine. show. Well, well, okay, well, good. Well, why don't you do that now? I'll take a break and listen and, and give me like the first argument for and the first argument against, because that'll give people an idea of just how different these positions are. Why don't you go for that? Got your pamphlet? She's thinking. I'll pause. While we're doing that, I'll play something. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H-Care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. So for those wondering what happened as Laurie was about to read, you know, an argument for and an argument against, um, her call dropped. And because it, uh, it's one of these situations of blog talk that uh, once you're in overtime, you can't call back in, she can't call back in. And so what we're going to do is, what I'll do is just direct you to the, the Oregon information pamphlet, uh, ballot 114, read all you can on it. Uh, I'm sure you can find the arguments pro, the arguments against. Or what I'm going to ask Laurie to do is to post um, – maybe the, the ballot or, or some, some form that can be posted at the Action Radio Gun Group. And that's a public group. So go to the Action Radio Gun Group, and uh, I'll talk to Laurie about this off the air, but a couple more things to play for you, and then I'll be done. And we'll be back tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock. 
uh, unless Dr. Latipo uh, wants a different time. So I've got, uh, I don't have anything scheduled on Thursdays yet. It's because we had our, our world's greatest doctors panel. So what I'm going to do is open that up to Dr. Latipo pretty much whatever time he has, because, you know, he's a cool dude and I want to talk to him. Um, So uh, I can do that for certain people. Um, I can do it for anybody, but I only, I only do it for certain people, but everybody else I schedule regularly. Uh, So that's where we are now. So, uh, Play a couple more things, and then I'll be back tomorrow at uh, 7 a.m. Central Time. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow, and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of my pillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates: W Y L, which stands for. Write your laws. My Pillow Pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at mypillow.com/wyl. That's mypillow.com/wyl. Or order now by calling one eight hundred. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio live. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend, Jason Myers, and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, WYL, to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engine. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. 
Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.